Bearcat Bounce Podcast back at it again. So happy Monday, guys. It's a uh, happy Monday following a significantly giant victory for the Bearcat basketball team. It's also a Monday. We have a special guest, but we don't have a special guest for very long, so, that we, so we need to get right into it and, and have this special guest come on and, uh, and, and spread his wisdom, his knowledge, his, uh, his pizzazz, his, his gravy, extra gravy. That's right. Without further ado, we're gonna we're gonna pump in Monday. We're gonna we're gonna get it live for you guys. We are all over the globe today, so check in, watch, and relax as we bring you my guys, my pals, the crew, and of course, Bazan, the 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 big guy Juice who brings it for us every once in a while on a Monday night. Without further ado, Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Nico Palazzetti, gentlemen, how are we? Well, Chad's on mute, so I'll say how I am. Uh, I'm doing better go. than your internet connection. We'll, we'll just leave it there. <laughs> Is it still bad? It's yes. horrendous. You're, you're moving <laughs> like every four seconds right now. I mean, I don't know what's going on. I'm, it's just I'm your internet, man. Whatever your connection is right now, it is bad. I'm at the parental's house down in uh, good old uh, Cocoa Beach. Took in the big, big victory on Saturday. Maybe there's just too much of us on the internet. Maybe I gotta, maybe, gotta go put my foot down out there. Maybe you're using dial-up and, and AOL. <laughs> I, I, I can promise you it's not dial-up because you've that, got that a poor internet connection. In. <laughs> yeah, that phone call comes in, parents answer it. It's like golly. Boomers don't get the good Wi-Fi down there. Ching, ching, ching. Hey, we'll power through. If we need to do this, and then I just bring you the uh, beautiful pipes that uh, come through with the with the young, then we'll have to do that. But you know what? We'll we'll survive either way. But Chad, sir, how are we? Good. Getting uh, getting back to normal from a, a long volleyball weekend, but uh, you know, I'm 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 good. A little radio today, podcast tonight, multimedia. Uh, extraordinaire here at Bearcat Journal. <laughs> there we go. There we go. Well, I mean, we got to say it. I, how, you know, the, the Strong Shall Range superstar, as awarded by the BBP cast, Nico Palazzetti. <laughs> Sir, Nico, how are we, man? I'm great, Brent. Thank you, as always, guys. It's always so humble to be on. It's uh, a joy, man. I appreciate you guys a lot. So, doing really, really good. And, um, the phone's blown up, but I appreciate you guys, man. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm doing really good. Well, we don't have you for long, so so let's uh let's dive right in, man. I, let's touch on the the strong shower rain uh <laughs> mini series that is is taking place and and really has been awesome production. I mean, it, it it looks like a ESPN thirty for thirty, ESPN E sixty type documentary type feel to it it's, it's very nicely put together but i tell you what episode one there was a lot of a lot of that gumbo and i'm talking italian gumbo being spread out <laughs> around around the faithful listeners and the bearcat fans nico when did you hear about this uh strong shower rain coming uh coming into a little series royer the gentleman mr man what's up how, how are we doing we? coach nico it's good to hear from you, bro. Doing well, man. Thank you. Doing real good. Good to hear from you, man. 
Part, part of my uh, tardiness. I don't have Dom Patrol on Saturday, right? <laughs> you're good. You're excused. Not yeah, for a there. long time, but you're always welcome in. <laughs> 5 a.m. You got me pushing a sled out there, and I'll never do it again. Yeah, add some character. Add a little hair on the chest. But no, all, all is well, man. Um, no, Brent, to answer your question, um, you know what? I uh, they mentioned it. They mentioned it in December. Um, really from uh, you know creative media and then from administration and the coaching staff. So we knew that we wanted to provide a lens into kind of our program. Uh, we wanted the fans to see what's actually going on behind closed doors. And, you know, for me, I'm pretty transparent. You know, I, I think I am who I am and I'm not afraid to show who I am. But at the same time, you know, I probably have a face for, uh, for radio and, uh, and you know, I'm 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 not I'm not a huge in front of the camera guy and I speak pretty candidly and I just said like if you put a camera in front of my face, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk the way I talk and I'm gonna coach the way I coach. And I don't know if that's probably presentable. And they said we want it that way. And I think it adds to the realness and I think it provides a really, really um great lens into our program and i'm and i think the, the way they're presenting it and the way our creative media does a, a fantastic job and i think it just shows it shows where our, our staff and our program's hearts are at how much our players care and kind of the thought behind everything we put into it and just really kind of pulls that curtain down and i think it's an incredible thing and i'm very very proud i'm humbled to be a part of it i'm humbled that they included me in it but also i'm really proud of 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 that the fans get to see how hard our, our, our program's working to, to provide a product that they're proud of. 27 new players are here now, and, and we've been hearing from some of them at the pressers and what have you. Everyone we've heard from thus far has said that this is the maybe the most rigorous offseason they've ever been through. It sounds like the culture is changing. You've got a year under your belt now. What's different this time around now than what you did last season? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think what we did last year was a was a cakewalk by any stretch. I do think number one is there's a there's a willingness and there's almost like a, there's a, everyone understand that there's a need to to work at a level that's that's exceeds what we thought was possible. And it's hard. And I, I mean, I told you guys when I talked to you probably a month ago, like this is the hardest thing that in my 12 years of coaching that I've ever tried to undertake. And this is the most all encompassing um, holistic developmental program that we've done. I mean, it includes everybody, it includes everyone from academics to, to the football coaches that are accountable to the support staff, like everybody's in it. We talked about, you know, uh, leadership through ownership and shared suffering. Like everyone has to feel like they're included in it. And that raises the stakes. And, I think the belief from the players and the belief that we need to go through this in order to accomplish our goals is what is the difference. So it's really the belief, the humility and the willingness for the players to really buy in and the leadership to take it under, um, take it kind of make it their own and take ownership in it is what for me, it's been the difference maker because you can like, and I, and I tell this to players, like there's always corners to cut. And, and Royer knows this, right? Like, there's always, like, like you can make it as hard as you want, and you can coach it as hard as you can coach. But there's only five strength coaches, and you're training 110 kids, right? Like, it is what it is. I turn my head, a weight can be put down. Or I, uh, you know, I, I, you know, 
turn my back or whatever. And, and, and it's human nature, right? Like, like human beings are always trying to cut corners. It's how much do the players buy in? Do they believe that going through this struggle is going to make them better? And then do they enforce it? Do they make it their own? And I think that's the change. Like really I'm, I'm blowing the whistle at this point and the players are leading. Like it's, it's become the players uh, program. And, and it's been so cool to watch and, it's been so cool to see week after week players taking ownership, buying in more and more. And, and really they believe that in their hearts that going through this, this off season program, as hard as it's been is, is yielded the growth and yielded the camaraderie and the connection between each other. And I think that's been the biggest change is player buying the program support and everyone firing on the same, the same page and really it's complete program alignment. Do you think that a lot of that, um, urgency from the team and from the staff do you think some of that comes off of going uh four and eight do you think there's kind of like a well because i i mean i talked to the guys last year and they said yeah this shit's hard as hell like nico's busting our shit up like we're we're hurting every single day um the lifts are hard we're running way more than we've ever ran um but it it result you know you know for some reason excuse me for whatever the guys still end up four and eight. And do you think it was kind of like a gut check? Like, all right, we, we did all that shit last year. We worked harder than we've worked um, in a while, but the results still didn't yield what we wanted. And now we're, we're kind of sitting here. We're like, well, something's got to change. Do you think some, some of that kind of struggle during the years kind of opened it up the minds and the hearts of the guys a little more? Yeah, I think you nailed it. Like, I think, Going through a program and going through it is one thing, but going through it and believing that you need it and that it's going to yield growth is a completely different thing. Like, I don't, I hate the word entitled, but a lot of great programs have this where you become so accustomed to winning that you expect that you're going to win no matter what, no matter what the effort you put in, no matter how you function, no matter what. And when you put the perfect storm of entitlement, plus a coaching change, plus a conference change, plus a lot of new faces. A lot of times that dynamic shakes out to not having a lot of success. And and it's funny because we were working hard, but was our execution and was our buy-in where it needed to be? My my opinion was no. And, you know, you're screaming from the mountaintop, like we will lose games because we don't hold each other accountable. We will lose games because um, – we're not mentally tough because we collapse when shit gets hard, stuff gets hard. Um, you know, you, you can scream it and you can yell it, but when people have success, they don't believe it. And um, not that I was perfect by any stretch. There were a lot of things that I could have done better last year. And, you know, those have been addressed, but at the same time, I think we all learn from that. And I think there's a humility now and a willingness to buy in that's at a different level. And, and, and I applaud the staff. Like this whole offseason has been as hard for the staff as it's been for the players. Like it's everyone's in it together, man. Like we did a tug of war today and the coaches had a tug of war rep. Like everyone's in it. Like I am talking so <laughs> much mad crap to everybody involved in this program. Like if you want to be like, we have up downs, we have program up downs. Like if we lose, we lose as a program. We are all in this together. So I don't care if you're the dietitian. I don't care if you're the film guy. I don't care if you're the freaking the the fourth student manager who the first day. If you're gonna call yourself a bearcat 
and we lose, you feel it. We're all in on this together. There's equal buy-in. So we, every Thursday and Friday, we have finishers that if we fail, we fail as a program, up-downs, everybody. And we've made it so it's not all kumbaya. Like, we've lost. We've lost as programs. We have finishers, like, or almost impossible. We call it the, the final 15. You have, you know, you have five minutes to accomplish a, a, a kind of a, a drill, right? Like a, like a exercise and you have five minutes and you have three of those different stations. And if you don't meet the minimal threshold, you lose as a program. We're all in it together. And I've done a lot of up downs. I'm leading it. I'm, I'm blowing the whistle. I'm doing, I've done a lot of up downs. I can, and like that. you need that. You need all the players to understand that this impacts everybody. And we all need each other. And, um, I can't even remember the original question. I'm going on a tirade, but uh, whatever the question was, <laughs> wow, thank you for I like asking. where it's going. Because I, you know, everything that I always thought about after every year with our, with our teams when we were playing was, you know, last year we worked hard, but like everyone in the country is working hard. Every football, Division One football team is busting their ass in the weight room. They're doing finishers. They're moving weight. They're running. They're getting in shape. And you obviously know that you've been in the game forever. What what is something that you brought this off season to kind of counter that? How did you say like I'm going to do something and I'm going to get this team somewhere where everyone else in the country isn't going to be able to get to by doing A B C or by doing two things, three things, whatever you. Is there anything that you kind of clicked with that you thought like this is how we're going to get to the next level and kind of rise above other other programs? Well, yeah. First off. There's kind of three points to this answer. The first is the kind of the whole strong shall rain mantra is, is we're going to draw a, a line in the sand and we're going to swing as hard as we possibly can. And for those that embrace it, awesome. Step over that line. If you flinch at that line and you don't want to cross it, good. Well, better find out now. And you go into it and you create such a high standard. I, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what it's going to look like. You, you don't know how the pieces are going to shake out. You don't know how guys are going to buy in. You don't know how guys are going to respond. So you're, you're all, all we knew was it had to be so demanding and had to be so strict and, and so much at stake that everyone had to feel this pressure, everybody. And the response has been incredible. So number one is you, you rise the standard to a level that I've never risen it to or seen it rise risen to. And then, the players took charge and the players led it and the, and the staff responded and it's been awesome. Uh, the second thing is I think there's two things that set programs apart uh, in today's day and age of college football with the portal and NIL and all this stuff. Like there's so much change going on. It's so, it's so interesting, right? It's such an interesting time to be in college football. Like the college football model has been consistent for, you know, I don't know, 80 to hundred years. And now all of a sudden, uh, the last two years, three years, it's completely flipped on its head. So you can't fight it. You just have to embrace it. And then you got to find your edge of what gives you an advantage. And are we going to be able to pay players more than anybody else in the country? Come on. No, absolutely not. Are you going to be able to get at the absolute best talented kids in the country every single year? No, you can't. You know, are you going to have every advantage in the world? No, but that's that's not who we are. That's not what our identity is as a, as a school and as a program. Our, our edge, number one, has to be embracing that 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 challenge. Like literally, and, and I say the belief, but like it's a belief that we're going to outwork everybody. 
and everybody's working hard, but like, do we believe that this program could catapult us and make us, are we going to allow it to change us? Are we going to allow, are we going to embrace it to the extent that it changes who we are and what we believe in ourselves? So that's one. And then the second component is how connected are we? Like with, with so many different, like, it's not like college football when it used to be, when you would be there for five years, four to five years, and you, you have the same infrastructure and the same, like, it's a, it's magical. It's, you know, what's that game? Magical chairs or whatever, musical chairs, whatever. It's, it's flipping in and out. And what are you going to do? It's, it's how connected can you become? How much pride can you instill in a program and a culture and one another to beat the opponent? Like how close can you make it? How connected can you become as a team? And that's a huge goal. And so kind of the whole infrastructure, the whole setup of our off season has been that it's, how connected can we become? How much can we depend on one another and trust one another? And it's a it's a wild time. It's really fun. And everyone has different backgrounds and everyone's from different places. And it's like a melting pot. It's just you just induce as much adversity as possible. You watch them problem solve it together. You watch guys hold each other accountable, get in fights, argue, yell, come back, recompose. It's like a it's like a it's like a human. It's it's incredible, man. It's a, it's a really fascinating thing. And uh, it's been really fun to watch these guys embrace it, grow, and and see where we're at and how far we've come in seven weeks. Magical yeah. musical chairs. Musical magical chairs. Yeah, what did I say? Magical chairs. I haven't no. played that game in quite some time. All I knew was like boxing out. Like I always just viewed it as like a basketball drill, like hit checking people out of the way. Uh, yeah. I like the kind of thing you said, draw a line in the sand. And one thing I always loved was kind of like you draw the line in the sand. And once you, you cross over that line, the ships are burned. You're never going back. And the one thing that I think is the most important thing about the offseason, in my experience, you can give me your insight, but it's not only just succeeding and, like, getting stronger. I think it's the most important thing is to, like, break motherfuckers down, break down the tough dudes, break down, break down the kids who've never been broken down before, break down the guys who've been broken down four times, break them down again in their fifth year. Um, because that's how you really, it's when, when you get like, bro, you're doing match drills. I remember this one time I was, it was my first off season and I always considered myself like this hardworking kid and nothing was ever going to like stop me and this, that, and the other. And I'm, I just got dragged across the mat for the fifth time in the row. I was doing up downs cause I lost, get back up, get dragged across the mat again by like DNs. And I'm like this little ass linebacker. And I remember I was doing up downs and I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it. Like, I don't first time in my life. I was like, I don't think I'm going to make it through this. Like, I think I'm going to like die. And, and I remember that moment vividly and out in like my athletic career of like be, the first time I was ever broken. And I just like had to keep going. Cause I had no choice because the guys that I was, that I was doing the, the match drills with, they were fucking on my shit. I had to keep going no matter what the coaches were yelling at me. I just had to find a way to get through it. And I remember every single year when we would do our mat drills, each year I, I would get broken down, but it would just be easier to get up and to keep going. And I would just find myself in a better spot every year. Um, and I, it was kind of a tangent of a story, but the point was like guys getting broken and like getting built back up by their coaches, by their teammates, by their culture – I think is exactly exactly what 
like teams need in the offseason. Have you been seeing um, guys getting broken down, guys like not knowing if they can go on? They're kind of getting dragged through by their teammates in these finishers. Like that's the kind of shit I love. You got any any stories based around that? Yeah, I mean, I think right, like phase we we call it we broke it up into phase one and phase two. Like phase one was just you know really we had we had five weeks off, four weeks off. We had the whole month of December off, really. And so you have to come back and you got to ooze them back into training. And so like, it was, the whole emphasis was build our base, build our foundation, get our, like, like have the routine set because when it's going to get hard, it's going to get hard. And so it's like, a, it was like a three week, you know, and guys are motivated. You know how it is. Guys are motivated. Guys are excited to be back. You know, they're training super hard. They're coaching each other up. It's awesome. It's just like, everyone's, Everyone's just form forming a routine, adhering to the routine. We just kind of build that foundation. And then phase two comes. So phase two is February. And February literally just punches you in the face. Like it's just so hard. Everything's competitive. So the whole goal is you build a foundation and then you test the strength of that foundation. You test how strong your standard is. And like within, you know, the first workout, Guys are turning on each other, fighting, they're turning, they're bitter, they're quitting, they're getting dragged around. Like, and and at the end of the workout, everyone was all upset. It's almost as if like, like we had built such a great, like we had we had so much pride in how clean our January was that guys were upset that like they didn't like there was conflict and there was confrontation and there was failure. And like my whole message to the guys were like, if I don't push you to failure. If there's never any confrontation, if there's never any um, uh, uh, conflict, like then I have not trained you to the level that's appropriate, that I have failed you. Like that's how, that's like, people hate conflict so much in today's day and age. Like conflict's how you yield growth. Like conflict's the narrative, man. Like that's like literally as a strength coach, but like, any any real manager in general like your job should be to induce you should push people to the extent of conflict and then help them learn how to handle it and work through it like conflict is everything conflict growth development like however you want to word it like you need you need to push to that point and my message was like yay get comfortable in this feeling because for the literally for the next five weeks it's going to be this every single day and that's what it's been. There's been so many different failures or challenge finishers. There's been so many different competitions. There have been so many things where they're literally meant to just fail at. And then how do you respond? There's been things where they thought they were done. And then we've, you know, nope, nope, do it again. Nope, nope, change of pace, sudden change, do this, do that, do this. How do you respond? Nope, do it again. Nope, this failed. Nope, the whole program failed. Nope, nope. It's just like you're trying to just make it as to almost to the point of being petty, like almost to the point of like, like, I want them to hate me after workouts. Like last yeah. Friday, I literally am like, yep, I think the entire program despises me. And then like we had Sunday, we had open hours, or Saturday, we had open hours and 80 guys showed up and like, and you, and you hug everybody again. And everyone's like, hey, this was good. And then like today came and everyone hates me again. Like that's what you have to do. Like you can't be afraid to, to have that uncomfortable conflict. And, and that's what I think you need as a coach. Like for me, when I talk to other coaches and I'm like, how was your winner? And they're like, oh, it was great. Everything's perfect. And you're like, like, that's, yeah. is that good? I don't think that's good because inevitably you're going to reach a point where like, 
the metaphorical shit hits the fan. And then, and then how comfortable are your guys with crisis resolution? How, how comfortable they are calling out their teammate? Like, can they handle those times and just bat an eye? And I don't think we were very good at that last year. And I think our training showed that it was really hard, but when stuff got hard, we crumbled, we crumbled. And I think there was multiple factors behind that. And, uh, that was a massive point, Ryan, to answer your question. Like, we need to train at that stimulus literally constantly. And we need drills. We need finishers. We need just things to induce uncomfortable growth. And that's the only way to it. So, yes. Yeah, a lot of a lot of uncomfortable growth. Aaron and I have uncomfortable conflict, like, once a month, live on air. At least. like how close are you guys right like that's like you're like that's what brothers do they fight like you need that like (laughs) like people people shy away from that now people just are passive aggressive like you need that you need to get in arguments it's i think it's healthy that's how you resolve conflict aaron that's just it's just part of the bcj training program right i got it from nico just how you know it's it's just a shtick, right? And we, we're, yeah. we're not actually fighting. It's just except for, except for yeah. this one extends past winter. So I, I mean, it's kind of... <laughs> we gotta round. stay in season form year round. It's just how <laughs> yeah. no days off. Nico, yes, sir. It, 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 we're we're out of time. Uh, how about this spring break week? Are you a yep. little more free that Monday? I'll be free in spring ball. You guys can hit me up anytime at spring ball. My 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 well, spring ball, I'm free as a bird. We have that week after the first week where it's spring break, everybody's off. I think that would be a good time. Talk players if we can get you. We, we weren't going to be able to squeeze in enough guys to really do it any justice this week. So maybe if we work for that week, uh, we can we can get you on to talk about the offseason some guys have had uh as we're getting into the heart of spring ball. Guys, I am humbled to be on this thing. So whenever, wherever, tell me when I'll be there and I'll be coming in with a with a fist ready to swing and, and give you all the details. But no, as always, guys, thank you. Thank you for the th- questions and thank you for listening and thank you for the you make me better. So I appreciate it. Uh, well, we're, we're, we, we've had you for a minute, 21 longer than Zach told me. So we got to. We gotta let you go before he gets me with like a taser or something. <laughs> for what it's worth, you've got a face for YouTube podcast as well. <laughs> yeah, it was go. just a real quick story. It was funny because I uh, I walk into the training room and uh, uh, I, you know I'm starting to become close with other athletes. You know, and, and I, initially people looked at me like I was speaking Mandarin. People were looking at me like, "Who is this lunatic?" But as I gain, you know, as I as I've gained comfort with other athletes, they've opened up, you know, they get to see it's a lot of bravado. They get to see the softer side. And, and uh, I was talking to one of the volleyball players and she got, and her friend goes, Oh my gosh, that's you're the person whose voice I hear. And I go, yes, I am the person. And she goes, you have the most terrifying voice I've ever heard. I'm like, well, <laughs> hopefully we understand that. Like it's, it's more, there's a heart behind it. And so she was laughing. No, it was good. But, uh, Thank you. I, I I don't know if I have a face or voice for freaking uh, mm-hmm. podcasting, but this makes me feel like I do. So I need this. You got the strength accent, man. It's it's in its <laughs> purest form. Right. You were built for this shit. <laughs> you guys are the best, man. Appreciate you guys. Yes, sir. Yes, appreciate sir. We y'all. appreciate you.
Yeah, we do. We'll, I mean, we'll I, I got one more. You guys got another question? Yeah. I got one more question. I feel like I'm like cutting you guys short. I don't want to do that. No, no, no. Oh, I got you tons. Get me in trouble. Yeah, I, I mean, I only asked one question, Nico. So, I, I mean, you, you, you're serious with, with that question? I got about a 50 more. But uh, we'll, okay, we'll let's go. Let's go. I got, I got 10 more minutes. Let's go. I got no, 10 more no, no. I'm running high. Chad? Go. Just go. I, I mean, he said it. Brett, so. you go. All right, Brett. Nico, let's. Uh, we're not going to dive into player by player because obviously you'll be here for another hour, and then and then the trouble will actually happen. But uh, kind of building off of what uh, you and Ryan were talking about, and and also kind of kind of falling in line with uh, you know your voice being booming and loud. You know, I got a, a live text message from someone listening. It's like wild hearing Nico on a podcast when, when he's not you know letting out that, that yelling voice that you know bravado that he has in the locker room and in, in the weight room and whatnot. And then you heard what Kai Stokes had to say about you in the uh, press conference about how, you know, you're a phenomenal coach, but you're an even better person and you, you are able to connect with people in a certain way. Uh, you know, you mentioned your, your meetings with all the players throughout, you know, leading into the workout season. And you, you mentioned how there's a different feel and you mentioned all that. So just kind of ex- expand on that connectivity to be that bravado that, loud in your face give everything you got but also be able to tone it down and have those in-person meetings and then of course on top of that how does it feel different and different things of that sort that's a question that was a question we're saying on for that was awesome um uh wow there's a lot to that number one i think is authenticity because i think there's no better bullshit detector than an 18 to 23 year old athlete and we all know right like we all know when someone's being authentic or when someone's putting on an act and so for me i try to always just be authentic and you don't have to like me that's okay but i'm going to be authentic and i'm going to try to speak the truth to you and i'm going to try to be a person of integrity so number one is authenticity and naturally i'm a very excitable person i'm pretty extroverted i like to connect with people I'm, I'm pretty high energy and i've always been passionate to train like even when i played football like playing football was just a means to an end to train like i've always been obsessed with it i loved it um and so the passion just comes very naturally um as far as connecting with an athlete i i think i've always lived by the I never, I've never tried to forget what it felt like playing college football. And I think Ryan can understand this. And I know you guys have all gone through athletics in your life and the ups and downs as, a, as an athlete is, is unlike anything you'll experience. And I think it's so easy to forget when you're watching a product, but like people put their heart, literal, their heart and their soul into their, into their sport. Like that's who they are as people. So when you fail as a football player, a lot of times you, you're perceived to fail as a human being. And so for me, I never wanted to forget what that felt like. And I try to always coach that. And I always try to be connect because for me, if they know where I come from and they know where my heart's at, they're going to trust me. And if they're going to trust me, I can push them to a level that I wouldn't be able to push without trust. And so for me, building a relationship is absolutely essential with coaching a player like i don't feel like i can really coach a player to the extent i need to unless they know where my heart's at and i know where their heart's at so that takes time that takes trust um 
But I, I think that's what you want, right? Like you want to be able to coach your best players and the players that you need the most, the hardest level possible. And they know that because you care about them and you're willing to spend time with them outside of that setting. And the more you can, they can see you as a man and the more they can see for who you really are, I think drives that coaching player relationship that much further. Um, and so uh, it's been really fun. And I, and I think a lot of the players come back, came back for the right reasons. And I know I told you guys this earlier, like, I was talking with Coach Sat even in October, and we're saying, like, who are we going to build this around? Like, what players do we need? Like, who are who's essential for our success? And we wrote down a name about 10 guys, 10 to 15 guys, and we were able to – every single one of those players are back. And it's such a cool thing that – and it shows how much they care and how much pride they have in the university. And so when you have guys that – really believe in being a Bearcat, really believe what this university and this program stands for. And they're here and they're, they're for it. Like you're going to get a different level of training effect. Cause like your best leaders, your best players care the most, which is like, that's the dream. Like, no, it's like, it's a, it's like, how do you coach something being important? If the guys don't believe it's important, like it's impossible. You can yell and you can scream, but like, what made those teams so successful, Roy? Like probably the best players cared the most and they would fight you if you didn't believe in it. Like that's what best teams do. Like, and, and, and I think that's, that's what we've gotten. And then on top of it, the, the new players, the, the guys that we brought in were selected perfectly. And I think um, our current players had a lot of pull on who to bring in, who did wouldn't fit. And our coaches really value that. And they built an organic team that really meshes well together. And so it's exciting. You know, I'm excited to talk to you guys in spring and, and see how a lot of these talented pieces all mesh on the field. And, you know, really last week, we kind of slowly started the transition. And now we're doing, you know, player-led practices. And we're doing a lot of position work. And we're, you know, we're doing more scheme and meetings and all that stuff. So football, like, it's like that cool effect, right? Like, where I'm metaphorically handing the keys to coach Sat and coach Sat's like, I'm slowly working back and he's slowly coming in. And it's like that natural transition. Cause ultimately you're getting these guys not ready for war per se, but you're getting them ready to play spring ball. You know, you're getting them ready to compete. And so that transition has been really fun. And our guys have, have, have handled it with incredible maturity and it's been good. All right, All right. there we go. Yeah, that was a great question. Thank you for that. That was worth it. Thank you. I'm glad we made it worth it because you got to get up early, early. Like you will wake up before I went to bed all weekend. <laughs> I won't give yeah. it away. I won't say what time. It's just yeah. it's a late. It's an early time. It's an early time. It's an early time. The world is very quiet when I wake up, but it's good. It's uh or or late, you know, maybe it's noisy for some people who are still right. going to bed, but regardless, uh it's you know, I can't I can't preach discipline to the players if I'm not willing to live it. So that's what that's been the goal. Love awesome. It. All right, brother. We will have you back on in a couple weeks. And uh I look forward to seeing you two weeks from today. I'm fired two up, baby. First I know, I know. We were saying we have I mean, we have two more weeks of workout, so uh, as of today, we had 10 work days left. Obviously, you have the weekend, but 10 work days left. We're curling up to nine. And I, I was knocking on the I was knocking on the whiteboard. I'm going, you hear it? You hear it? It's knocking. It's knocking. So it's coming right around the corners, man. I'm fired up. <laughs>
Let's go. Let's damn go. Love you, brother. Thanks again. We'll talk soon. All right. Love you guys. Appreciate you guys. Thanks, Coach. Love, Coach. There you go. Zach, I didn't do it. He asked for 10 more minutes. He asked for 10 more minutes. I didn't have anything to do with it. Take it easy on the boy, Chad. Looks like Brent's. Is it still bad? Yeah, both of you are now. Who is? Aaron you and you. Lose some. Oh, well, I, I mean, we're just battling through, you know, the, uh, the the toughness. And we're overcoming adversity. We're we're doing everything that Nico's built us to do. And we're making it happen. But, uh, you, you know, sometimes adversity happens on the roads as well. Um, we might as well just, just thank Danco Transmission and Autocare for being the best as always. Uh, and then also, you know, because because we have to thank one Nico Palazzetti, man, he is uh, he is something that you know every answer he gives just has that genuine feel. And I know everyone wants the player updates and, and how everyone's looking in the weight room and whatnot. But I mean, that's that's something that will come. Um, obviously, we'll have him back on. But for him to come come on here and and Royer, you gotta like what what you had to hear because that that sounds like that that culture building aspect that becomes extremely important in a, uh, in a program heading in the right direction. Yeah. Everything I've seen, especially in the, the, the little video things they've posted, uh, it's definitely a whole different energy. It, it's given me the vibe because we kind of got away with it. The end of my, my time, because we just had so much talent. We like built up such a, a good pool of player ran disciplined culture with, with really good players that were developed from a young age. And it, we, it was kind of like at this point where coach Brady thought like, we don't have to like do um, like attention training style stuff. We don't have to like kill these guys. It was still hard as shit, but like it, it definitely wasn't as, wasn't as hard as the first couple years. Um, and seeing them kind of get back to like taking that, taking it to a whole new level especially I, I love the whole accountability from everyone thing. I think that's really unique. That's his own kind of stamp that I think it really will resonate really well with the players and with everyone involved. Cause like he said, it's not just the players, it's, it's everyone's doing it. So I'm really excited, man. I mean, it's just every time I, he gets on here and talks, every time I see the shit he's been getting into with the guys, just more encouraged, uh, more proud. And I'm, I'm just really excited and really happy that we have him. I need to know who was on the uh, all coaches tug of war team and how that result came out. <laughs> that is what, man. That's just bringing back flashbacks. To, that's some of the best part about because just having fun in the suck because this right. the shit sucks no matter no matter no matter what you're doing. But just having having fun aspects to it, um, getting the coaches in there. It, that's always just some of the best times. I I brought back some good memories hearing him talk about that. Golly, I. That one assistant strength coach, I'm, I'm forgetting his name right now. It literally looks like a Wolverine. I'd, I'd want him on my on my side in the tug of war. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, outside of that, dude, that's it's awesome to hear all this from him. And I, it's pretty easy to look at the returners that are on the team and uh, see what, what Nico was talking about when it comes to, you know, getting those who are bought in, getting those who do want to have things heading in the right direction. And uh, I'm excited to have him back on in the future to hear how those new additions – have been looking and and uh, here on on everything, especially as as spring ball fires up. That's just about ninth, Thrifty Walrus. Nico saying he has a face for radio in front of this crowd. 
had the same energy as the 100-pound woman soaking wet complaining about being fat. That's not nice. Semi-accurate. I mean, Royer looks solid, but gosh, I'm looking all my internet connection. The two of you look like absolute shit right now, so... (laughs) I mean, it's funny because like my I look crystal clear. I'm I'm moving and grooving over here, but yeah, that's doesn't... because that's before it goes through your dial-up internet uh, right. at your parents' place. Aaron looks pretty foggy right now, that's for sure. But uh, hey, we're here, we're live. Uh, let's go ahead and timestamp that. Uh, obviously, what we'll, we'll touch on on the the football story of, of, of the day and the mailbag. I saw that there was a question about that in the mailbag, so we'll kind of save that for then. Um, but uh, outside of that, man, Nico Palazzetti, that it doesn't get much better than that, man. He is genuine as all get out, and uh, he, he fires me up just hearing him talk. So let's let's go ahead and time your quick paper supply, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low minimum next day deliveries, providing a wide range of food service products from to go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Boom, baby. Well, let's uh, let's move on to basketball real quick, and then we're going to uh, obviously get the uh, Riffin' with Royer mailbag, and we'll be good to go. But, uh, uh, man, tell you what, as, as Chad, you uh, texted me after the game, and, and as – Simple as it can be stated, it was a need to have it win, and the Bearcats got it when they had to. So it was 76-74 win at UCF. It is a quad one game right now. A lot of people have been talking about how they think it'll fall out of quad one or whatnot. But I mean, UCF has been quad one for about a month and a half, two months now. So you know yeah. that that tough out of conference. It's it's hard for a team to to slip super far and in the big 12, just because if you play teams, well, you're going to either stay where you are or even go up, even with the loss. So um, it's a a tough place to play. Uh, Kansas went there and lost. Uh, Oklahoma went there and lost. Uh, That UCF team went on the road, beat Texas. That UCF team went on the road and lost to BYU by two. It's just, you know, a lot of different things to pull out of this victory. But I'll tell you what, it was one that, uh, as I mentioned before, Bearcats had to have to continue heading towards the right direction of trying to be, return to the NCAA tournament since first time since 2019. So, Dad, you were a volleyball dadding it up this weekend. Um, got a little bit of your insight here and there on the live nightcap as much as you could infiltrate it. But when, when you're able to sit back and kind of rehash and rethink about the victory that was at uh, at Central Florida Golden Knights Arena, which was actually very popping. It was it was the loudest I've ever seen it. Um, and there and were the hundreds of people there. there. So uh, it'll be uh, your, your your thoughts as you uh, rehash and, and reflect. I mean, the main thing I think I I said that kind of pertains to this is. That is a situation where, like, you know, you, you build the 14-point lead, and then UCF starts very slowly, just kind of, it's 11, it's it's 9, it's 5, and then it's back to 8, and then it's 4, and it's back to 7. And they kept just slowly walking down Cincinnati. 
Mm-hmm. More often than not, that's a game you lose. Because they have re they have recaptured the momentum. Your lead is evaporating. You're trying to hold on for dear life. They were making shots uh, offensively. They were putting pressure on Cincinnati. And Cincinnati was able to answer the bell. And to me, that shows a great deal of growth in this team. Mm-hmm. Because that has not been the case. When, they, when they've gotten in those situations and teams have kind of slowly you know, put them, put the stress on Cincinnati to keep pace. They have not had a great deal of success. Now, look, UCF is obviously not Baylor, Kansas, Iowa State, or Houston, but that's a tough defensive team that when they make shots, things get really interesting because they're so good defensively. And you have to find a way to make individual Tough buckets. That mm-hmm. little jizzle hesitation dribble, uh, and then back to the left side for the layup at the rim. That's as good as you're gonna see in a late game situation. That is yeah. a guy making a play in a critical time to Tie win a ball basketball game. game. Tie ball game. So um that was the thing that really like that's what sticks out of my brain mm-hmm. when I think about this because it it would like. Look, both of those teams knew. Aaron brought this up, and it was a great point on Saturday. Both of those teams knew their season was on the line. Yeah, lose that game, you're not you're not getting where you want to in this season. Right. They were desperate as hell. Stole with Central Florida, and Cincinnati managed to get on the plane with a dub. Like that's all you can ask for at this time of year on the road against a quad one opponent. And they got it done. So uh, that is a very positive sign. It doesn't mean they're going to win, you know, for the next six. No, it doesn't. But it means they are still continuing to get better. Right. As we're in the middle of February. Yeah. Aaron, for me and and Chad, you can can expand on this as well as you want to. But it kind of felt after the game, it was more of a, wow, I, I thought UCF played pretty doggone well. And, I thought Cincinnati played pretty doggone well. It wasn't kind of like a situation where, oh, that was a sloppy, ugly game, and gosh, it, it, I'm happy that the Bearcats held on to it. I, I feel like both teams played pretty damn well, which is what makes the win feel even better in my eyes. You know, you, you took all the haymakers you could from UCF, like you mentioned, Chad, and yet there it was. When you needed the buckets, there at the end, you got them. Um it, it, it was a game where I, I, I truly felt like UCF was beating a ton of teams if they played that way at home in that environment, in that atmosphere. Uh, just just was a way that Cincinnati was able to out-tough, outlast everything that we've mentioned this team to be built on. Uh, Aaron, your, your kind of takeaway, because it seemed like it was a high-level game. You know, it wasn't a sloppy turnover fest. It was a, it was a battle on both ends of the court, and one that Cincinnati simply was able to come out with the most – makes in the most stops well kind of what we've talked about that Cincinnati could just be good not great but just average really at shooting uh they finished 41.8 percent from the field 26.9 percent from three albeit on seven of 26 um and then 62 percent from the line not great certainly not great but Cincinnati does the things that they needed to do they out-rebound, 
plus 12. Um, kind of to Chad's point, they, they made good plays down the stretch. And I think probably more than anything, this team's figuring out how to close out a little bit. Now, mm-hmm. did they did they get a little assistance from perhaps a no call? Maybe. And you take the good luck when it happens to you because, my God, we have found ourselves on the wrong end of the luck train more often than not. So it is what it is. Um, it, I, as a fan of UCF, I'm not uh, – let me rephrase that. As a fan, if I'm UCF, watching that happen, I'm freaking right. out, yeah. rightfully so. If it, right. if it had happened to Cincinnati, you would not hear the end of it from me, probably. Uh, at least till the next game. So right. it just is what it is, but they, they you know, kind of piggybacking off what Chad was saying – they're, they're figuring things out, and while the announcer did not say it, Day-Day had fouled out, and that's why Jizzle was in. We had to find that out after the game, not, not of course, during the game, because why would you? Uh, but just it's cool to see, you know, even that play itself coming from Jizzle after Day-Day's fouled out in front of his hometown. Did you know uh, Day-Day fouled out? Did you just find out Day-Day fouled out? It's stupid, though. I just wanted to, to beat that horse into the ground. It's stupid. I know. I, I, I still have people telling me they thought B.J. Taylor was good in that game, and I don't – I haven't even responded to him like because I don't even know what to say to that. I don't know how you watched that game and thought that guy nailed it. I thought that I, – I thought he leaked Homer, but that's fine. That's neither. I, I don't mind – like he played for UCF. I don't mind right. a guy that like like I don't mind that. My point was he missed critical things that were happening in the game that fans need to know and was just word diarrhea about stuff that didn't have anything to do with anything. He was no Tom Cream, we'll say that. Tom Cream was awesome. He was awesome. And like I think the more that we get away from Tom Cream, the more I miss Tom Cream, which is very strange. And I don't even like saying those words together. Tom Cream, the man. Creepy Cream. Um, but yeah, uh, that, I guess that's my my point is just that things are things are going Cincinnati's way. They're they're coming up. Your, your internet connection is fantastic right now, by the way, Brent. You both look great. I don't know what happened. I don't know. The sunspot went away or whatever the, the Twitter has been talking about. I told my parents um, to get off the landline. I finally have full control of the internet. I think the that's kids good. are starting to go to bed, so maybe that's changed here. So, um, in any case, uh, yeah, just just happy to see them come out on the on the right side of a game that, that was a hard-fought battle. Let's, let's uh, touch on some storylines, obviously. The First one being Dan back in the starting lineup. Ironically, the last time he was in the starting lineup was when Vic was sick when they played at home against UCF. And that was obviously a game that Dan came out scorching hot and similar to what he did in this this game as well. Uh, Breached double figures rather quickly in both games. Um, Then then Dan, obviously, I think he was being a little bit over-aggressive. It seemed like at times he was – maybe a little uh not like worn out but maybe a little bit you know kind of, kind of overexerted a lot of energy early throughout the game and then you know made some tough plays down the stretch though uh 
But the reinsertion of, of Dan Skillings Jr. in the starting lineup, I think the luxury of having a quality Josh Reed, um, who, who played really well, uh, defended well, actually knocked down a shot, uh, rebounded the ball well, uh, and then having CJ back as well, um, I, I think it does give you the luxury to be a little bit more flexible with how you do rotations and, and kind of maybe just maximize the big minutes um, throughout you know the rest of the stretch, but it just gives you a lot of lineup flexibility. Um, your guys' thoughts on just the the insertion of Daniel in the starting lineup obviously was because uh, Wes mentioned the, the full-court press nature that, that UCF was giving, but uh, is, is this something you expect to see as lineups continue to get tinkered, or do you think it will be a, a game plan-dependent um, matchup as, as we head down the final stretch of the regular season? Here's the thing I think people need to remember. Vic didn't play the first game against Central Florida. Right. And it gave them a look of what their small lineup looked like against that specific team. Yeah. So coming back into the rematch with Central Florida, the plan was to play small, but Vic was scheduled to play. Like he was supposed to be in the rotation. Yeah. And, you know, you start getting guys playing well, Dan's playing well. CMOS is playing pretty well. CJ is giving you effective minutes. And, you know, Josh Reed came in and gave you good minutes, especially defensively when he was on the floor. Um, so then you start doing that, you know, in-game decision-making. And do I really want to change up? Because I think what's easy to forget is to look at the score and see what's a two-point game. But when you talk about, Gameplay, Cincinnati was in control 8 to 12 points for a large portion of that game. Oh, yeah. So, you know, I, I think as a coaching staff in that specific situation, they had the knowledge, they had the, the past experience of what it looked like Vic not playing uh, against that opponent. I think, you know, obviously we had seen his minutes come down over the past four games five games. Mm -hmm. So there was already an understanding that he's not at his best right now. And I think, is there a chance we could see more of it the rest of the way? Yeah, I think obviously. Um, the interesting part will be, is Vic able to play himself out of this or not? But we've mm -hmm. already found out the leash is short if what's working is working. Right. Um, you know, but you know what we didn't see in that game? We didn't see foul trouble for either Aziz or Jamil. They both played great. Like, if you yeah. look at their combined numbers, uh, there was no awesome. need for a third big right. in that specific game. So it's situational. But, I mean, look, here's the reality of it. Until Vic starts playing significantly better, his minutes aren't going to increase. Yeah. Now, he'll probably play more than one second. But, uh, and by the way, I, I've talked to a few people on that. My understanding is, you know, you got to remember, Vic has been here a lot longer than Aziz and Jamil. That was a play where they were confident Vic knew exactly what to do, exactly, you know, all the, the iterations of what to do on the floor for that play. So mm -hmm. that's why they brought Vic in, uh, was a trust factor that, it was a set that he he knew and should be able to execute at a high level. 
And, yeah. you know, that's that's why he came in for that last inbounds play. For anyone that was back to, back to your question, Brent, um, I'm all for Dan starting the rest of the way. I think that the first segment has been a lull for Cincinnati more often than not through conference play. And I think mm-hmm. that inserting Dan in gave them an electric spark that they have been missing every game. I don't like having to wait until that that second uh, segment to get Dan and what he brings offensively, especially. Um, and I, I sincerely hope that he starts the rest of the way out. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, the mantra that Wes likes to say when it comes to Dan, what, you know, a lot of people have to say about him is, you know, the whole scratching the surface thing. And I, yeah. I think when you reinsert, when you put Dan in the starting lineup, and he has that kind of that that Mamba mentality, you know that that I'm going to go get mine and and exert energy and and really put a full force in that opening, you know, segment and a half, if you will. I I, I think yes, it it gives a little bit of different juice and it, it takes Dan's game to a different level as well. Um, yeah, I I mean I. I think the game is is also one where, you know, it's like okay, the the checks and balances with with Dan in there. Well, Dan's a phenomenal rebounder, so the, the mm-hmm. rebounding isn't really going to fall off. Uh, you right. know, John has been a great rebounder as well, so the rebound's not going to fall off. I, Aziz returned to his dominant rebounding self. Jamil had his best rebounding game of the entire season, so you know you're you're able to have this flexibility to where. You know, you do have a little bit more juice uh, offensively, athletically to get out and run. And then you can just really hammer the bigs that are available that are going to be part of the game plan to uh, get the correct minutes that they uh, need to. So, yeah, I I think they they played a different they played a different pace when Dan is in as well. And they they run more. They they wear the other team out more. And I think that Mm -hmm. especially starting the game, I think that that's exactly what you need every single time. Not not waiting until there's four minutes gone in the game to get Dan out there and to get him going at that point. I think you got to have it just straight up from the tip. I, I mean, he, he found his, his spots and he went in that, yeah. in that first 10 minutes. Uh, he was downhill a lot. Um, sometimes it got him in a little trouble, but more often than not, when you're aggressive like that, you're going to, you're going to either draw a foul. Or you're going to be able to find yourself right under right around the rim for an easy, easy do. So, um, you know, I thought CMOS too, it kind of, kind of puts him in a little bit more of like not needing to be that go-to scorer role in that opening, you know, segment as well. And I, he had some absolute dimes in the first handful of minutes. I, I, I don't know. I, it, it's got better balance. It's got better feel to it. So um, I think obviously it, it might be sometimes matchup dependent, you know, from, from here on out, but you can even make those changes in game. So I, I thought it, it definitely was a big spark to have them out there in the beginning. Uh, let's talk about two guys real quick. Um, first is the loudest seven minutes that I think I've ever seen a Bearcat score. And the second is probably the quietest 13 points I've ever seen a Bearcat score. And, and that's in Jizzle James and Aziz Bandango. I, I tell you what, Jizzle is, he's he's got a lot of, you know, a lot of pizzazz or, or what is it, Chad Pezon? Paison out there. I mean, Jizzle was was in his bag. He's been in his bag the last handful of games. He's really showing major, major flashes. It's a whole, you know, freshman is a sophomore at this point. And then Aziz was just 
continuing to be a beast. Um, he he was all over the place, blocking shots. He, he did get the one poster on him, but that just is a guy that shows he's not afraid and and he's going to go and challenge people at the rim. So, uh, yeah. you know, those 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 two guys really are if they can continue progressing and, and continue showing these flashes at the right time, it's big time play out of those two on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, for sure. Good. I was just going to say, I know you bring up Aziz, but I don't think it's fair to bring up Aziz without bringing up Jamil. Um, yeah. Because between the two of them, you, you had what 19 points and 17 rebounds. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and they have been, really good complementary pieces of one another when uh as as i said on on saturday uh jameel i think this is his fourth game where he can say that he continues to just progress every game and he's building games on top of each other to where every game for the last four games has been his best game as a bearcat and uh, I'm, I'm excited to see that continue to progress because it could not come at a better time with as uh, with Vic trending down, you've got Jamil trending up, and I think that's honestly you don't wish that for for Vic, but you'd love to see Jamil picking up the slack as as Vic is going the the wrong way right now compared to where we want him to be. Um, and Jizzle, I mean, I've been high on Jizzle all season, so again to to see him do that in front of his home crowd, where sometimes you see some guys, especially younger guys struggle a little bit um fantastic way to to build just confidence going forward aaron's been high on jizzle for a long time yeah you're welcome for that thanks layup (laughs) i thought about not taking it but then everybody get you know it's It's not as weird as it's it's not as weird as what kelvin sampson did with the whole you guys like saying jizzle I, i love saying jizzle (laughs) <laughs> and went on a minute and a half, I, like just rant about the name Jizzle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Walker uh, said, "Thank God the NCAA is taking stop, uh, nonstop L's. I'd hate to see this roster without Aziz and J- uh, Jamil right now. Yeah, for real, dog. Yeah, Walrus, for real, Walrus. Yeah, I think back to that one." I, I forget which game it was, Chad, when you and I were walking back out to the car. Golly, it was just man. Um, you know, I think I think West would have had to had to figure something out, but uh yeah. As, as, I, I mean the announcer kept the, the, the play-by-play guy kept saying Aziz looks like you know Dikembe Mutumbo. And I was like, like, you know what? I, I I'm one to know I, I'm going to get over my skis a little bit. Easy you know? tiger. I'm known to get over my skis a little bit, but he's getting no, over skis you no. He's getting over skis quite a lot, but yes, Look, uh, I, I think. Let me Aziz, let me know when that man walks into a bar and says, "Who wants to sex the Aziz?" Okay. Who wants to sex the Mutombo? That was his pickup line when he used to go to bars when he was in the NBA. Aaron, that's come out in like podcast talks and stuff. That was that was his go to line. Who wants to sex the Mutombo? There we go. <laughs> I'm sure it worked quite a lot. But uh anyway, you know. What's uh, good, Natty Ron? Welcome back. Good to see you. Let's 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 talk about CJ real fast. Yeah. I think having CJ back is massive. Um I sure. think it it makes that that 
and, and I don't even think he's fully back. Um, I think he looked more back than he had the, the previous two games uh, that, that he returned. But when he's really locked in and, and really going to be heading in the right direction, I think he just adds another dynamic to that second team than what we had seen. Scoring, yeah. At all, yeah. It's, it's very impressive. And, and I, I, it is a big-time thing to have him back. I, Chad, Aaron, your guys' thoughts. Royer, you can chime in, too, if you were able to take in the game on, on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, I'm just letting you guys – you guys always have a better breakdown than I do because I was there with about – I was at the well in Covington with about 12 people, so I can't say my focus was fully glued to the screen at all times, but – It was on. <laughs> it was on. I was watching. I was I was there with Bolden, so, you know, we and him were chopping it up like there's no tomorrow, so I can't say my full focus was always glued, but – <laughs> I uh, it was um, definitely a good ending. Yeah, I, I think with CJ one, I think there's it takes some time to remember that you have a forty five percent three point shooter on the wing that you need to be cognizant yes. of because I think there have been times, especially I thought uh, against UCF, where there was penetration. The help did come off of CJ. And he was standing there wide open. Yeah. And I, I think there needs to be more recognition of, hey, guys, CJ's back. And he's a killer. He can so make that shot. If you see the help come, mm -hmm. you have to be quicker in recognizing it's not just your normal ball rotations that you have developed throughout conference play. CJ's open. Get him the damn ball. Uh, I think the more he plays – the more that they will become comfortable with that and you'll see him get more opportunities. But hell right now, his best move has been the little pump, pump fake yeah. hesitation and then, you know, attacking off the bounce, which we didn't see a bunch early in the year, um, either for baskets or for, for great passes. Yeah. He, he just impacts the yeah. offense so much. Now they did, Towards the end, they went after him uh, defensively a little bit. Yeah, you know, Chad, I I actually rewatched the game. They they didn't too much. It was it, they it was, did in one stretch. I'm telling you, I watched like, it happen. Like what? Like the whole high ball screen? Yeah, they like went the, at him like I three like the times straight. Like high ball slow screen. with that though. Uh, the one time he got drilled on the screen. The other time he got stuck on the screen, and the guy denied it and went the opposite way. Yeah, I mean, I. I Right. I, do you, like, those aren't do you think he's hesitating? Do you think he's hesitating quite a bit, though? Because I feel like he's not nervous to shoot, not scared to shoot. I don't think that's in his repertoire, but I think he's being almost too picky with his spots. Yes and no. I think he hasn't been – when they've gotten him the ball, I do not think he has been clean to where it's just catch it and rip it. I think there's right. been – guys in his airspace a little bit when they've gotten him the ball where that's why I think you've seen the thing. Here's the thing about CJ. You have to remember, Aaron, he's going to make the smart play. Mm -hmm. Like that's the kid has been around basketball, literally his entire life at a very high level. He is going to make the smart play. You and I look at it and go, look, man, 
I don't care if there's a closeout within two feet of you. Let the damn thing go. You shoot better than anybody else on the roster. Right. In CJ's brain, he sees the right play is to get this guy in the air and go past him and either get a a pull-up 12-footer or a a wide-open pass as guys recover. Yeah. I'm going to get killed for saying this, but I want to see a little bit more Jeremiah Davenport. In I get it. I get it. Like, I, you're I'm not, not saying you're that. wrong. <laughs> I'm just saying when you watch CJ, that's what you have to remember is that the kid is, in terms of basketball intelligence, he has more than all of us combined. Like, he, yeah. he, he has an incredible feel for how to play offense. But, yeah, yeah. Aaron – if that guy's late, even a step late, and you can squeeze off a three, shoot the damn three, bro. Well, and that's and Aaron Smith telling you he wants you to shoot the, the three. Right. Uh, but but <laughs> when 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 we're talking, you know, Houston and Iowa State, you're not going to get clean looks. So you have to. Right. I guess I guess maybe that's where I wanted to see him have a, a quicker trigger to sure as the best shooter behind the arc. If you get the ball and you have what is even resembling a, a clean look. Yeah, I think you have you have to take it, but that's no argument for me. I mean, I, I'm idiot. not I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just letting you know no. No, CJ's I, eyes I, sees different things than us. Uh, I wanted to shoot the damn thing. I'm I'm well versed in disagreeing, Chad. <laughs> so I mean, somebody said it best a couple months back, Aaron, when they said people a lot most people agree to disagree, and I disagree to disagree. Hey, it works. I I know better than most. <laughs> it absolutely works. Um, yeah, and, and then uh, one last thing on CJ that that old foul thing was just absolutely terrible. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you He's can't like, reverse the, you you can't reverse the foul that was caught the the foul that was caught on the floor. Right, you can only get it to a right. uh, flagrant one or flagrant two. Which is stupid. Um, if you if you're if you're stopping play to review, you should be able to reverse call. I mean, it just unfortunately it opens up Pandora's box. Like, I know it right. does. You can't let them go to the the monitor and reverse calls like common fouls, right? I know. Or else we would literally just be at the monitor. It'd be like that that one year when the play. NFL let you throw a challenge flag on pass interference on pass interference, right? Yeah. <laughs> That was that was Pandora's box that got shut pretty damn quick. So, uh, yeah, they somehow um, put the toothpaste back in the tube on that one. Right, <laughs> real yeah. quick, real cat was, quick. Cat was out of the bag. They, they it was messy, the but they, they got it back in the tube. Put the cat back in the damn bag real fast. Um, one last thing on this, you know, Cmos is is a guy who took a lot of you know shot open threes and whatnot. But he's a guy that seems like he could be one where he doesn't have to be the leading scorer every night. But when it does come to crunch time, he'll be the one to take that shot, to make that play. And I think that's that's you know awesome to see. You know, it's it's he doesn't have to be the star, but when it comes time to have that star type play, the little ice in his veins that we've seen the the uh, account tweet out numerous times, um, he's he's been able to step up and, and be that guy. Which when when it comes down the line, all these games are pretty much win or you're in a bad spot unless you, they are those road games. So got to have a guy that can step up in those big moments, especially when, you know, if, if you win the home games and then you steal one on the road, you are looking pretty doggone good. 
that's through the regular season. So um, having a guy like CMOS being able to, to to pick and choose when to take his time to be that guy is is awesome to see. Um, yeah, I, I think this is a big game. I, I think it's a win that not a lot of people are giving enough love to, if I'm being completely honest, and um, one that they had to have and they got it. So uh, hats off to them. Up next is, is Wednesday. Going to be the uh, the tussle with the Cowboys of Oklahoma State. Chad and Aaron, you guys have had the, uh, the the thrill of being able to recap Big 12 games instead of recapping American Athletic Conference games. Um, what can you tell me about the Cowboys outside of Javon Small and his, uh, his, his past times against Cincinnati as a member of the ECU Pirates? They're talented. They're young. But if you let them get out and run and you let them get comfortable on offense, they mm-hmm. can be a problem. They can score. They put 93 on BYU. I mean, they have talent. Right. It's just uh, a team that has, one, struggled on the road. Bad. Mm-hmm. They've been bad on the road. Not not. they've been uh, in it. And, and lost yeah. some close games. They've been bad on the road. so that's Zero road favorite. wins. Zero. Yeah. But they've got dudes that can make shots. And they can, you know, I, I think the problem I've noticed with them a lot this year is that they, they have not learned to be sustainable over 40 minutes. Mm-hmm. But Aaron can attest to this. It feels like every time we talk about them, we're like, at some point, Oklahoma State was up eight. And yeah. they lost by 13. But, right. like, at some point in the game, they have played well enough to, to be, like, in position to take control of a the game. They haven't done right. it, especially, like I said, on the road. But they are not a – so when we, we think in our brain about bad teams, yeah. what comes to our mind is, is some of those bad ECU teams, some of those Tulsa. bad – Tulsa team. Well, I mean, Ron uh, Frank Haith at least right. usually had them competitive. Yeah, they talking like bad. last couple years. You know? Yeah, but like right. we think bad team. U- USF has had a lot of bad teams yeah. over the past decade. I think that's mm-hmm. where our brain goes. When you look at Oklahoma State, they, I mean, this Oklahoma State team would be a middle-of-the-road AAC team. Yeah. So you have to play well. You have to come out. You cannot take them lightly. You cannot take your foot off the gas. You have to come out and play well to beat them. But on the road, they've had more struggles than not. Mm-hmm. So you should be in good position. But you're not going to be able to come out and play poorly and expect things to go your way. Right. I think Oklahoma State's biggest issue is the fact that they're not deep. They are no, very much part of the – yeah. Yeah, they're they're kind of built in the same way as like a, a Kansas or a Houston, where their starting five are the best, bar none, the best five players on the team, and they have no bench. But the difference between them and uh, Houston and Kansas is the fact that Kansas and Houston have a plus five starters and elite Oklahoma State, starters. right? Oklahoma yeah. State's got got B minus C plus guys. Um, right. That said, in a, in a in a year, I think we're looking at Oklahoma State if they're able to keep these guys together. I think we're looking at them completely different. Um, yeah. So I, I don't know. It's they're able to hang up ninety three with 
guys on the bench combining what, what did it combine for uh eight points their, their bench was eight points of that 93 so their starters can do some damage um that said you wonder how gassed oklahoma state's going to be coming off of a win like that um and it's not in okie state it's it's in cincinnati which has proven to be a place where people can win but it's also proven to be a tough environment to play in uh as yep. the the crowd's been amazing this season so i'd love to see cincinnati get things back on track at home in this one yeah they i i mean they're just just real have quick to. dads go go ahead have to have to it's, yeah. it's a must win 100 must win I, I mean, the way that you have not been able to hold court at Fifth Third Arena, the, if you welcome the, you know, second to worst team in the Big Twelve, when you're on the path to try and return to the tournament, it, it's a it's a must win. Uh, there's done. no doubt. If they don't win this game, they're done. Yeah, it's period. It's a second quad three loss, and and it's not a good one. Um, so yeah, a hundred percent. Uh, a couple of uh. Quick things about them is is they knock down threes and they shoot a lot of them too. Uh, they, they had 11 in the win against BYU, which is why I think you kind of felt that, hey, they were going to maybe do that thing where they got up and then BYU was going to come back. But instead, Oklahoma State continued to hit shots and you know they were 11 of 22 from three. So hopefully they keep that shooting in Stillwater. Uh, they're the worst defensive team uh, that that's in, in the conference, which is obviously not anything too crazy to think of. It, it seems like it's layups. Uh, sorry, it's, it's free throws and three pointers is what they shoot. Uh, they're third and yeah. in, in percentage point distribution and three pointers. They're first in percentage of point distribution and free throws, which means they're not very good inside the arc. Uh, they really struggle on on grabbing offensive rebounds. So closing out and stopping defensive stops with a defensive rebound, which is something that Cincinnati has done really well, except outside of a handful of games throughout the year. Um, you're in a pretty good spot, but like, but like you guys are saying, Javon Small is is who Javon Small is. He was a highly coveted guy out of the portal. You know, obviously went to ECU. I, I actually covered a game of his way back when he was in high school, which is wild to think of. And you can kind of just see, hey, this guy's gonna be good as time goes on. But man, yeah. that Brandon Brandon Garrison, uh, that guy is gonna be one of the best big men in the Big Twelve for the next few years. Uh, he yeah. is rim runner. Dude, Duke as a high flyer, he can block shots, uh, but he's pretty much all they have in the post. So this yep. could be a game where you kind of have that ability to dominate the boards and score around the rim and uh, get it done. You know, kind of those those dirty points that the uh, the Bearcats love. So it's a must win, and uh, it'll be on Wednesday night. Only game from the Big Twelve on Wednesday night. Um, check it on a little little seven p.m. tip at Fifth Third Arena. Um, Anything else basketball-wise, guys? I don't think so. Yeah. I, if, if you're wondering yeah. why I'm doing this, Houston, Iowa State is on. What's the score? Uh, I, I put money on it. It's go too Houston? good not to. No. Oh, you didn't. You didn't hear the two bits of information from today. Then the stuff we were missing. Uh, well, one of them is that Houston has not lost a home – or Houston has won every home game in conference by more than 15 points. In a league where every game comes down to the horn, they are destroying people. And two, uh, I asked – so I have Mike DeCourcy on the radio today. And I pulled the same thing with Mike that that we did where it was like, 
Mike, what do you think the line for this game is? And I was expecting him fully to be like five and a half, four and a half, five and a half point favorites for Houston. You know what Mike said? Nine and a half. Eleven and a half. I said, excuse me, sir. What am I missing? And he said, Houston beats the crap out of people at home. That's what they do. They don't play close games in the the uh, baked egg center. Yeah, it's nine two right now. My goodness, Iowa State cannot get a clean look at the rim. You know, I, that's the thing Lipsy, about Lipsy shot a runner going left to right from fourteen feet like this. He wasn't going downhill towards the rim. He's going across the middle of the lane and shot a runner across his body because that was the best shot. I, I didn't think it was a bad shot. Hey, you got one off. Uh, and, right. and I imagine the Cougars haven't turned it over eight times already or probably too soon, knock on wood. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and then obviously Chad and, and Aaron, you guys will probably touch on it later on throughout the week. When it comes to the whole, you know, big weekend game at, at TCU on Saturday. So um, I'll, we'll kind of lay off on that one game at a time, coach speak. But uh, let's go ahead and uh, timestamp this one and we will roll into the riffing with Royer real quick. We'll do it'll be quick hitters riffing with Royer. Let's do it. Quick paper supply, your local and family owned restaurant supply company for all your non food products. They provide mostly disposable restaurant supplies, products like to go containers. Cups, pizza boxes, to-go bags, can liners, napkins. They've been open since 2009 and are one of the largest minority-owned companies in the city. Give my guys a call. 513-ASK for Nick. 513-470-2029. And reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. Uh, Give me one second. I want to grab something. Okay. Yeah. One last thing on the – you know, it's – Aaron, are you, do you have the Houston game on? Are you are you watching that? I just I was just had it on the. Uh, um, I just looked at the score eleven four. Because I, I want to hear from Chad when he comes back. I, it just blows my mind how they can't fill out the Partita Center every every single game, especially when they've got a double. I think it's full tonight. It, it's it actually full tonight. Yeah, about damn time, man. Yeah, number two versus number six in the city of Houston. It's like, oh, we got a basketball team. Wait a minute. We play college we basketball two? here. What the hell? Anyhow, yeah, I <laughs> don't get me started on that. It is what it is. That it's right. never going to happen. So, uh, <laughs> I don't know why we think it is. Yeah. Um, I I just want to say, uh, last night oh. came home exhausted. Uh, had a little of this. A little, just the regular. Mm. New Riff, Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey, nothing, you know, sour mash, but nothing fancy, like nothing double oaked or single barrel or, you know, uh, barrel pick, just a regular bottle. Unbelievable. So smooth. So smooth. I slept like a baby. It was outstanding. But uh, it's the first time I've had this one in particular. And uh, a little NyQuil with it. Uh, yeah, that's basically what it was. <laughs> that was my NyQuil, Royer. It worked yeah. great. Uh, <laughs> I didn't need it. I was exhausted. It was a long weekend. But um, really, really good. And 
I'm not just saying that because they're a new sponsor. Maybe, I mean, they are a new sponsor <laughs> and I do really love it. Uh, if they want to send me a ca- like, you know, a couple cases of this, just this regular straight bourbon, uh, I am down. Um, <laughs> but they are our new sponsor for one of our favorite segment segments, New Riffin with Royer. New Riff Distillery, fiercely independent and unabashedly innovative. They produce award-winning bourbon, rye whiskey, and gin at their distillery in Newport, Kentucky. I've had the double mal- the malted rye. Oh, man. Woo! Peppery. Good stuff. The Aquafire mm-hmm. Tasting Room, located on the third floor of the distillery, features cocktails, flights, and pours of New Riff's entire line of spirits, including rare, limited edition, and distillery-exclusive releases. This is the best part. Bearcat Journal listeners can save 50% off on a distillery tour when you use the code BEARCATS24. For more information or to book a tour, visit newriftdistilling.com. This is where, Royer, you take your shot. This stuff is good. All right. This stuff is good, Ryan. I need to get the... I need to get the material over here. Well, like I, I would say, like you know, like the the malted rye, you know where it, like it, it gets you, like it's got a little kick to it. That's the malted rye. Mm-hmm. Like it's designed. It's it's like I said, it's a little peppery. It's got like a little, like it's got a little heat to it. It's got, it's got some flame on the fastball. Mm-hmm. The straight bourbon, you take a sip of it, and instead you're like, ooh, <laughs> you like that? <laughs> yes. Can't beat it. Boom. That it's one of those where you can do a shot and you're like, hmm, hmm. that's trouble. I'm gonna be in those. <laughs> two of them joints. Um, all right. Well, I guess we'll roll right in. Um, first question, stick with basketball coming down the stretch for the tournament. If we go five and one in our last six games, are we in? Or oh. or if we go Easily. Easily. Yeah. That one loss being to Houston. But if we go four and two and one of the wins are to Houston, is it the same? Easily. Easily. Okay. I think no matter what happens, if they go four and two, which would get them to nine wins in conference, they're in. Yeah. That's the magic number. Get to nine and nine. I think you will have enough on your resume to make it into the tournament. As an additional um, quad one win, which is right. Quad one road another win, road win, yeah, which is like extremely rare uh, amongst other bubble teams. And the Bearcats yeah. already have three of them right now. Nine and nine puts you in a great spot in this tournament as well. Way better than finishing under five hundred is yeah. going to put you. Yeah, three and three. You got you got to do some work in, in in the Big Twelve tournament, and then you're sweating bullets on St. Patrick's Day, and you, when you are already twelve Guinnesses deep and a couple of JMOs. So, uh, yeah. Uh, I will also say, Brent, if you get to eight with a road win in Houston. I think you're fine. Yeah. If that road win is the only path. I think that's the only path. Yeah. You might be able to. Yes. Oh, 100%. <laughs> I mean, you, you have the but best win in the country. That's the, uh, that's the only way I think eight could possibly be enough. I think yeah. otherwise you have to get to nine yeah. and nine. Ryan, they are not leaving out a nine and nine conference Big Twelve team. It's not happening. I think it'd be I illegal be if a team won at Houston and you didn't put them in. I think that would be illegal. Uh, 
Or let's rip. Houston, they'll get their butts kicked. They, last year, sorry, they I just Houston cut out. Well, in Houston, I'm sorry. Yeah. Sorry that last year they played Houston well at Houston. Did they win? No, they're up seven and a half. Let's go. All right. Second question. You guys think Aziz will build off this past game and keep carrying this momentum forward? Or do you think he's going to kind of taper off and Vic will step back step back in maybe to his old self slightly? And Jamil's been playing well. So do you think Aziz is going to project outwards with this positive play? I do. Go ahead, Aaron. I was just going to say, I, I think that Actually, Aziz had a better game the game before where he had a double-double, and he's been solid. I, I think that probably more importantly to me anyway is the fact that Aziz, while it was offensively, it was, it was good to see him get 13 points hit when he needed to from the line. Um, but I, I think seeing the play from Jamil has been more encouraging for me and just the fact that, again, like I said earlier, tonight just he's trending up while while Vic is trending down and I think if you had two guys that were not hitting on cylinders to to what Jamil and Aziz have been doing um as opposed to if Jamil and Vic were both struggling I, I think you'd find yourself in a, in a way worse position than where you're at right now I think uh out of all the transfers that that are on the roster Aziz made the biggest jump and I think you saw when Aziz, when Aziz went from Akron to UVU, you kind of saw where he was able to adjust and and be and show his talent on the stage that he was when he was given a chance. I think there was a the little adjustment, obviously, with the weird circumstances going into the season as well, with the whole, you know, can you get his his eligibility and everything of that sort. So. I think the the adjustment period is slowly kind of trickling away. You're just seeing Aziz go all out and uh, kind of kind of show it, like pick his spots. Like at UVU, he could finish every lap easily because he just was bigger, more athletic than most of mostly every big he he went up against. So finishing laps a little bit more difficult. So he's adjusted and he's dominated the glass and he is finding other ways to kind of kind of pick and choose his spots. In the post, off, off of good entry passes, I I think he's just slowly adjusting to what Big Twelve level play is, and that's a huge step up. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think he's gonna only get better as he continues to find his little little moments to really impact the game. Yeah, I mean, plus you're also not going to play, be playing top ten defenses uh, every night like you have okay. the first the last the last week and a half. Right. So that makes life at least a little. A little easier. Um, plus, guess what? What we have learned, Brent. CJ, good at throwing lobs. Oh, yes. CJ. CJ's high, lobs are on point. High ability. Uh, Stimos needs to hang out with CJ uh, after <laughs> practice and get some lob pointers. Yeah. <laughs> that, that one John lob, too, earlier in the game. Or or I think that was Stimos. I it, mean, was Stimos. it was just It like, was Stimos. It was Stimos. Yeah, it was Look, CMOS, yeah. You guys know I'm I'm at the top of the CMOS fan club, but uh throwing lobs is not a strength of his. He is much better at those little wraparound passes where he yeah. fires it right into your body and you're able to uh go up. Yeah. He's a he shoots the floater well. Just shoot the floater. 
they did that to start the second half, and, and it definitely helped them out. I agree. Roy, are you thinking continues this upward projection? I think so. I think guys, I think when guys hit their stride this point of the year, I think they're fun. Like, I don't see with this many games, this many reps under their belt that they're really going to take that much of a step backwards, especially right. I think not only are they comfortable being a transfer, but I think the players around them are, are comfortable playing with them. Um, so I think it's kind of the team is on a good – the team's in a good groove, then Aziz is going to keep being in a good groove as well. And I think they're going to need him, especially in these last six, playing into the tournament too if they can take care of business. I agree. Lock it in, baby. Yes, sir. All right, let's All right. football. Football question to finish out, as always. So spring ball, 10 work days away, like our boy Nico was saying. One um, week, from, two weeks think, from today. Isn't that something, man? Football's back already. Um, offense or defense needs to start fast in the spring. Like which, uh, which group, offense or defense, do we think needs to start fast, start early, often, establish good rhythm? Because, you know, they always say defense always looks better during the spring, but – what do you guys think in terms of what side of the ball is going to have to well, start out I mean, hot and have a good spring? I would say the reality of the situation is, Ryan, can you expect a defense to start fast with a new coordinator that just, just got here three weeks ago? Like, I don't think that's reasonable. Do you? I'm sorry, I I cut out again. I didn't hear what you said. I said I don't think that's overly reasonable to expect the defense to start the spring fast when your deep when Tyson Bite's been here for three weeks. Uh-oh. Agreed. I will agree. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with with Ryan here, uh, but yeah, I, I I don't think that you can you can expect a defense to to be the ones especially when off. you're talking about like if it was somebody that was coming in that like had like, it was going to run the same thing as brian brown or was you know mm-hmm. going to be in a similar look then maybe you could build some continuity but you're expecting a ton of transfers to be impact players on defense and they're going to be running a system that the returning guys aren't familiar with I just don't know how. Look, here's to your point, Ryan. If the offense starts slow, I'm concerned. (laughs) I'll I'll piggyback on that only because, generally speaking, through spring ball and largely even into like uh, fall camp, you don't really see them running the ball, not like they do in season, right? You're you're generally seeing more pass stuff. That said. Cincinnati last year, their their bread and butter was the run game. It certainly was not the pass game. So if you're going to come out and and be hot right out of the gate, I would not expect it to be the run game because they're probably going to dial that back. So well, if you're looking, if you're I, looking I at things, say... I, go, ahead. go ahead. If you're looking at things, I, I would hope that the the pass offense can get going. A, because it's a little simpler to get that going than it's going to be, again, to your point, a a defense with a lot of guys coming in. You don't have a returning defense. It's a new defense. 
Right. And you're bringing in new guys to play a new defense, a defense that they're not even familiar with. It's it's a recipe for disaster, really, if your offense is struggling, passing often, and they're they're struggling against a defense that's trying to figure out how to even put it all together. I I do want to also say, Aaron, for people that haven't been to practice, just to clarify, they run the ball a ton in practice, but it's not running the football. Like it's it's thud guys. They're not trying to tackle the guy. You don't like want to injure are, anybody. You want right, to get out run of plays without injuries. Yeah, run pl- plenty of run plays called, but they don't look like live game reps in the running game. Mm-hmm. Would you agree, Royer? Is that a fair assessment of runs? In Beckler practice? said he hated it. <laughs> yes, because. The uh, the front seven block defeat and and blocking scheme is is essentially live, but it's still when you can't tackle the guy, you don't really know how good how good is your tackling and how good is your running back at falling forward and getting getting those extra yards. So, you know the running game is always not exactly what you guys are saying. It's not exactly you don't really know exactly where it's at. You know it, it could it could feel like oh we're not. Those those gains those runs that they only look like two yards in thud period they might end up being four or five yards in live game because mm-hmm. the the running back can run through some tackles so you might not be thinking your your run attack is as good as it is and it's just hard to simulate like true and there could inside be sixty run. there could be sixty yard running plays like in practice that are actually four yard running plays in a game he probably don't yeah. it goes both ways as you. Wood uh-huh. live game, yeah. Um, and like Lord, sometimes it looks like a guy wasn't there, but he was, he just wasn't he really was. going through, right? Yeah, right. he wasn't Lord, going through like how he would in a game. Correct me if I'm wrong here. Um, I think a little bit more alluding to what you were saying about how defense normally looks better in the initial practices of spring and whatnot is because I, and yes, there's gonna be a whole new scheme learned and, and everything of that sort, but that's that's kind of been a common theme recently over the last you know handful of years because uh, there's been a lot of new defense coordinators what four out of the last five seasons um but uh i think in the beginning defense is a lot more instinctual where you know you kind of have your role but you also know how to play the game of football so you can kind of make plays on the run or offense i think you do need to find that little bit of rhythm and, and get back into flow you know i I don't think you can just snap your fingers and say, hey, we got all five offensive linemen back, so we're gonna everything's gonna go off without a hitch. So um I would actually want to see the offense kind of show, yes, that we are gonna be carrying this team because I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, it just seems like a defense is a little bit more instinctual to the point where they're gonna probably win a lot more one-on-ones in, in this just opening era because you know, a brand new quarterback, a bunch of new weapons on the outside at, at, at receiver position and tight end position. Yeah. So, you know, I think defense should look better in, in yeah. certain aspects. Because when you have the offense, the playbook's not as deep. So, really, you can just line up in, like, cover two or line up in man, and it's right. like, all right, well, they're going to have a couple beaters in on, on offense for those two concepts, but – you're technically coached on how to avoid getting beat and how to avoid like the, the concepts that kind of expose you is with man too. It's like, all right, just line up in front of your guy. And like, if you get beat, like, all right, we know who got beat and it's kind of like, we can kind of coach them up. Right. And it's so, it, yeah, it's simplified. It's just go out go out and execute. Whereas offense, like 
if offense only has like a couple different passing concepts in and a couple different run concepts in a defense is like, well, they're in this formation or they did this motion. So it's like by practice two, three guys already know what the hell they're doing. Um, so yeah, you're definitely right about more in, uh, instinct, but yeah, that's why I was kind of, I, I brought the question because when we got the new quarterback, we got an offense that just felt like it was always on the cusp. It was never like making the play when it needed to. It was never like, it never really felt truly in stride for a full four quarters of a game. And you also have a defense. It's like brand new. It's got something to like a whole new uh, coordinator, a whole new scheme we're going to have to see. So I feel like there was kind of two sides of the coin and it was a good debate. Um, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Whole Especially heart. with the offense. Oh. It's like, if you can have the defense go out there and kind of like show up and like, stall these this offense out a little bit it's like that's a i think it's a good sign because even though we have we have good players we have especially up the front seven so i think that'll play up i'd love to see how they respond uh putting together a a new defense and stopping the like we have all five guys back on O. so like pass rush and run stop like seeing like all right in a simple scheme with vite how can we use our players to execute and how does he use their players to put them in the right spot to execute? Um, and who the hell are those players? Yeah. I think we have a good idea, a decent amount of some of the, the front seven guys. We, there are some ma- names back, some guys that played last year. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see how they do. I'm really excited for Soresby. Like, I, like this season can ride on his shoulders. <laughs> As you know, as much as you don't want to say something like that, but it's just the direction that the game's yeah. going. Yeah. If you're not good at quarterback, you're not good. No. Yep. Show me a team that had bad quarterback play that was good. Iowa. That's it. One. One. <laughs> and were they actually yeah. good? I mean, come on. Their defense is great. Right. Pitt. Pitt, yeah. He ended up playing tight end. Uh <laughs> Man, we were so good. Hey, we were so good after week two, dude. I tell you. Oh, we were we were fucking world beaters, man. We were so. (laughs) (laughs) I took downtown Pittsburgh by storm that night. We were so good. I was like, man. In case anyone was wondering how good Houston is defensively at home, uh, there is five more minutes and forty six seconds left in the first half. Everybody guess how many points Iowa State has. Nine. Eleven. Twelve. Eleven. It's 22 to 11. Aaron cheated. Uh, Aaron did cheat. <laughs> he, he has it up on the second screen. I turned my TV off because of the Wi-Fi. So, uh, thank you guys. It hasn't helped. You're back to. <laughs> hey, I, I don't think I'm half bad. But, uh, yeah. Tell your mom to stop scrolling TikTok. We're trying to work here. She she gave up her phone for what? Hats off to Natty Ron. Can we relax? Like I love you, brother, but we guess what? This is a UC podcast. We are going to talk UC football. We're going <laughs> commenting about how much you don't like it doesn't further the cause. We get it. Like the first four comments, we understood mm-hmm. that you're out on UC football. I love you, but you know we have a job to do. <laughs> Relax. Chill. 
All right. Well, I, I love Rip with Royer. Thanks, Royer. He's killing it. Killing the day. Thanks, boys. Appreciate your guys' input. And a reminder, this stuff is gas. Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey. It says it right there. Double S. Gas. gas. It's one of the best bourbons I think I've had. Like, it's in the top five all-time list. And that includes barrel picks and, like, expensive stuff. Just the regular bottle of New Riff. Got it done. That stuff mm. outstanding. Base. Outstanding. That also brings us to another quick paper supply. Timestamp. They're your local and family-owned restaurant supply company for all your non-food products. They service over 150 restaurants with weekly low-minimum next-day deliveries. Providing a wide range of food service products from to-go containers, cups, custom printed products, eco-friendly, and much more. They also have cleaning and restroom supplies for all your janitorial needs. Call Nick, 513-470-2029 and reference Bearcats for 20% off your first month of purchases. All right. Mailbag? Yes, Mailbag. Sir. All right. Well, last time... Brent's like, well, I got this other segment on football I want to do, so I didn't want to make an assumption. <laughs> I'm in Florida. Last night here. Mailbag. All right. Fair enough. All right. Starting off in the football portion of the mailbag, uh, not a whole lot here, but uh, asked the same question last month, asking again, on a scale of 1 to 10, grade coach sats offseason. Please consider recruits, transfers, new coaches, connectivity to the fan base. Uh, well, we're going to have a new coach as the running back coach is, is gone today. So, Darrell Sims heading to wait, wait, Tennessee. Wait. Go ahead. Sorry. Darrell Sims uh, taking the running back coach position at Tennessee. If the SEC comes calling, there's a pretty good chance you're not going to hold on to your coach. They have more money. Like, it's it's a transient world. It is what it is. Like, I, you know, I, I, I know people don't want to hear that. They don't, they don't like the reality of that. But they work in a different uh, stratosphere when it comes to coaching salaries and uh, assistant pool and, and that whole nine yards. If they come after your guy, it's going to be real tough to keep him. So, you know, uh, on that front, there's there's not a whole lot you can do, but go out and make a good hire and go find a guy to come in here and run, you know, help run that room for an offense that produces 2,000 plus yards a year on the ground every year. I don't think it's going to be real hard to find a good running back coach personally. Now, that said, back to the question at hand on a scale of 1 to 10, how are you grading Coach Sats offseason? No sevens. No sevens. It's the easiest grade ever. No sevens, boys. You're either a six or you're an eight. Uh, I'm here for it. I'm with you. I'm going because it's it's the way. I remember Coach uh, my our first year in, Coach Freeman wanted all the – offensive coaches to rate all the defensive players and he said you're not allowed to do sevens so like it was either you're an eight or or six most of the time and it was a great point because it's like such an easy answer seven safe yes but i'm gonna go with yeah that's what i because like when you get rid of the seven it's like yeah it's got to be the eight 
I think with the the guys you brought in, the culture that that uh, we're seeing on display, uh, the guys that came back too, that they kind of made um, the leaders of the team. Uh, they're they're putting out there representing the the team and the shift that they're trying to go towards. Um, I, I would side with the eight as well. Here's the thing for me is I think everything I've heard and seen is what I've wanted to hear and see. Right. I've talked about this before, but they are not backing down from last year was not good enough. Just plain and simple. You heard Nico talk about it tonight. It wasn't good enough. It's not a season uh, fitting this program. And I want to hear everybody inside the program say it and believe it, say it and live it. That last year wasn't good enough. And so far, I have seen that. I have seen no acceptance. I have seen no uh, excuse making. I have just seen ownership. And I we'll find out about the transfers. I don't think with a lot of that stuff, you know, you don't really know until you get to see that those guys on the field and how they fit. I think they they added uh, guys with talent at positions of need, and we'll see if they work. Um, connectivity to the fan base, look, this fan base is pissed off right now. So they're going to be pissed off. Um, I think that is what it is. So that's, I'll go eight. Boys, I think this, uh, this it's Brent's still going nine, to, isn't he? You're going nine. No, I'm not. I'm not. There's still a lot to be left, obviously, because we don't know. And, and I'm excited to get that Nico pod to hear the names and, and how things are going. But on, on the surface, you know, I, I like them pumping out the, the videos, I, I like them having this in depth, you know, the strong shall rain videos where it's, it's like we aren't afraid to run it you know and even in the press conference chat it uh, satterfield said it. he said we we aren't afraid to run from what happened last year you know it's not something we just sweep under the rug you know it's, it's something that right. we it, that that's what you want to hear after something like that happens and exactly the fact that they're owning up with it the the fact that they are getting out like i don't remember this many press conferences for football where it's just kind of like Hey, it's a random Tuesday. Let's let's throw a, a football presser out there with, you know, some some returning faces that that want to you know make a shout out. Make to, a, what's that? Shout out to Zach Stite for yeah yeah providing big time access and big and time. shout out to the, to the coaching staff and, and to the players for being willing to get in front of the media in front of the fans and say things after what was. A difficult time. I, I mean, there's no other way to, to sugarcoat it. It was a difficult time last year. And so the, the willingness to really swallow your pride and come out there and do that, and then you see some of those pieces fitting in, you hear the coaching staff saying, yes, we know that there were some things that weren't good last year. We made the changes to, to make those aspects better. I think you have to give it an eight. You have to. If, if we're doing the six, seven, eight thing, you know, uh, you have to go eight. And then once we start to see how things look in spring ball, you can you can either tinker it up or down. But I think uh, eight eight is a good starting point at this. 
I don't recall if it's public information, so I'm not going to talk about that. But I know that when you brought in Brendan Sorsby, there were some big programs that were looking at him. Um, very big programs that were looking at him. So I'll say it. USC tried to make a run at, even after he was committed to Cincinnati. And if you tried. are looking to replace Caleb Williams. We, and we were, talked about that here on the BBC. I, I didn't remember. I, I didn't remember if we had talked we about it. We do a lot of shows, so. bro. We do a lot yeah. of shows. Um, I, I didn't want to be talking out of turn on something like that. But, I mean, if you're looking to replace Caleb Williams with the guy that Cincinnati got, I don't think you can give this less than an eight. And you take that with all of the culture that we've seen, which we all know how big of a culture guy Ryan is. Um, I mean, it's everything that you've wanted. You could not ask for this offseason really to go much better outside of getting guys that are ranked higher on the four-star, five-star lists. Uh, that said, I still think that if you're getting guys, you have to make sure that they are bought in. And I think that that's not necessarily the easiest sell when you're kind of in a rebuild, um, bringing in those four and five star guys. So I, I think they did what they had to do. And if it means that you're building what needed to be just kind of washed, uh, that, that, that this is how you had to do it. And I'm with everybody else. I think if we're going on one side or the other of a seven, you cannot give a six. It's got to be an eight. Good question, Killer V. 7.6. Does that work? Are, you, are we allowed nah, to do seven I, point, Ryan? I think it's more than that. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just, I'm studying the parameters of what's allowed and what's not <laughs> with this whole no sevens thing. There we go. All right. Um, no sevens, I mean, no fours. This is also a five, no fours. Walrus said, I fully expected either Aaron and Chad to still go with the seven just because of how they are as people. <laughs> That's fair. 7.6, there it is. I, I wasn't giving it a 7.6, Walrus. I was just exploring what we were allowed to do in the realm of this. It's the first time I've heard the no sevens thing. I didn't Chad know it was... If Chad had said we weren't allowed to go with sevens, then I definitely would have been hard seven. Right, hard seven, <laughs> hard seven. <laughs> Royer said it, so we respect it. Yeah, I wasn't yeah. giving it a seven point six. I was asking if I was allowed. Like, what was, what was allowed? All right. Uh, and then the other question in the football portion of the mailbag: early running back coach candidate. It's been like it, it happened hours. twelve minutes ago. <laughs> The way too early running back coach candidates. Dave Dave put a name out there. It's on the board. Uh, Georgia Tech's running back coach that has some experience with Satterfield. Uh, so maybe a name to keep an eye on. But uh, it just happened. Like It just happened. We'll get there. All right. Moving into the basketball portion of the mailbag. Uh, you knew it was coming. So, of course, we're going to start off with a, a Vic question. Vic played one second on Saturday. Do you agree that was a very high-risk one second? If Vic is fouled instead of Dan, which easily could have happened on an out-of-bounds play, then Vic is at the line having not touched the ball for 39 minutes and 55 seconds, having not dribbled, shot, or broken a sweat. Do you agree with that move by Wes? Yes. They won the game. Well, not even just that, but in a situation like that, that is a critical out-of-bounds play. Vic has been running that play for three years. Jamil and Aziz have not. So in that situation, 
who do you have on your team that you expect to execute that out-of-bounds play to the best of its ability? The answer is Vic. Yeah, like I said, I you, you won the game. I'm, I'm going with that. Uh, Brent, you got anything here? Uh, no. Yes, you, you sound like you do. You had something to he's, say. He's writing the recap. He didn't even pay attention to the question. That's why he said no. I want everyone to succeed. There you go. That's that's my input. I want both teams to have fun. <laughs> Not that orange well. Orange slices at halftime. <laughs> um, no, I think, yeah, putting in Vic, uh, you know, Dan missed both free throws. So it's like, you know, it, it, it is what it is scenario. Um, I, I think if, if the goal is to get the ball inbounded and you have someone who knows how to perfectly run that play to set a good screen or have some sort of action to to get an open player to receive the pass, then, yeah, I, I, I don't think there's so much to do about nothing. I, I mean, Aziz has had some, like, weird, like, crazy good spurts from the free throw line. Jamil has been pretty much like a 50-50 shooter from the free throw line. He, he always seems to make one of two. Um, Vic is kind of the same. I, I, I mean, what are you going to do? Throw in all guards in that last scenario? I, I, I'm, I'm okay with it. I'm, I don't think there's much, much issue at all. I appreciate the insight, Brent. Uh, do you agree the magic number is four? Get the twenty wins, no matter how it is achieved, and we are in the dance. That would include a scenario like going two and four to end the regular season and finishing. Seven and eleven in conference play, and then going two and one in the Big Twelve tourney, still getting to twenty wins. No, absolutely not. <laughs> All right, Brent. I mean, okay. Here we go. Two and four. Uh, no, no. <laughs> I was gonna say uh, they win at Houston, but then you're adding in another quad three loss. I don't know. It, I think with with the three and three, but two with quad three losses, Brett. If you win well, no, at Houston, well, no, but I'm saying that if you lost four, you would be adding two quad three losses in at home. No, no, no. But I'm saying so. So you win at Houston. That's one win. And then you set say you win at home against West Virginia. Then that's two quad quad three losses. You know what I'm saying? That's that's kind of what I was getting at there. But either way, it's just no. All right. Look, I, I am not under any circumstance, barring like a run to the Big 12 championship game, I am not going to be comfortable if this team goes 8 and 10. I'm just not. Yeah. They don't have an out-of-conference resume that they can lean on. I, You're asking to get left out. If you don't win nine, if you don't go 500 in the league, if you go under 500 in the league and you didn't really accomplish much of anything in the out of conference, you're asking to be left out. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, obviously that, that early top 16 reveal thing, obviously there's so much basketball left to be played, but I, I think it was good to see that the committee does value the big 12 a bit. So, um, I think that part's good. Uh, I think I think if you didn't see as many Big Twelve teams in that top sixteen, then you'd be like, "Oh gosh!" So maybe these these wins don't really mean anything. Oh, by the way, more... Brent, top eleven. 
not top 16, top 11. Right, right, exactly, exactly. So um, I think that bodes well for just getting all of your positive work done in the Big 12 play. But, yeah, if if, if you are going to pile on a couple of, of quad three losses and only have a, you know, a handful of I – mean, I mean, the road wins are really good, but – yeah. You really did. They did nothing out of conference. Absolutely nothing. Um, so yeah, you can't you can't pile on any any more quad three losses. Two right. more is it just? I mean, don't even. Nothing you do if they if they go two and four, there's nothing short of winning the Big Twelve tournament that's getting them in. Plus, if you go two and four, you're playing on Tuesday, and you got to win Tuesday and Wednesday. And Thursday and Friday and Saturday against elite competition every day. That shit ain't happening, bro. That's tough. All right. I know everyone was really high on Leon Bond coming out of high school, but is it safe to say that you're happy with skillings over Bond in the early stages of their careers? Second with Sage most of the way through his second year in the program. What's the word on him? Do you think he can slash will develop into a contributor at some point, or do you see him transferring down a level maybe to like a Xavier type school? Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, so Leon Bond, that would be my area of expertise. I loved Leon Bond coming out of high school. He is not really, I'm a bit surprised, um, but why I'm surprised might make sense given what we're seeing with Virginia, that is not a particularly good team. I always felt like Leon Bond was like a, uh, adding, adding a piece, like adding a really important glue guy to a, an already established high level roster, right? Leon Bond wasn't a great scorer, but Leon Bond was a guy that in high school, like he did everything well. He passed it. He shot it. He, you know, he he could defend. He had a great personality and mentality about the game. Had a really high IQ. But my concern with Leon Bond coming here was this roster two years ago was not ready for a finishing piece, right? They needed they needed top of the roster pieces. And even though Dan was was really raw there was a lot more potential for Dan to become a top of the roster guy where I always saw Leon bond as, you know, a a guy that we would talk about eventually like a John Newman, Mm -hmm. right? Like he stayed in school. He grinded it out. He learned, he became a great defender that could put some points up for you. Um, That was my read on, on Leon bond, which you thought with the way Bennett had things rolling at Virginia, they would have a high level roster and then bond would be able to find his place there. I think they need more from that position than he can give. So he's struggling to find minutes. Um, so yeah, I would, I would say skillings, uh, was the right call in that situation. Um, I know there was, some talk later in the thread about this as well, but we'll go on. All right. <clears throat> top three players of the game, top three plays of the game. Dan, Simas, 
and uh, the offense-defense combination of Aziz and Jamil. And <laughs> uh, then top top three uh, plays. Uh, let's go with the Jizzle uh, laying the sure. uh, CMOS laying, and then um, the Aziz uh, no call. <laughs> it actually is the Aaron. right call, Aaron. I didn't want to go there, but uh, yeah, like that's literally what was on. It has call. to be. How is it not? I mean, whether whether they call it or not, it is what it is. But well, well then, Aaron, the... at least at least call it the great Aziz closeout. Sure. The problem here is if the guy would have just went straight up, it would have been a foul. Yeah, he but initiated is, the, con the contact. When but. when the when the the guy shooting leans in and initiates the contact like that, it is not supposed to be a foul on the defense. Yeah, you're not you're not supposed to be shooting the ball at a sixty degree angle. Your body at a sixty degree <laughs> angle, right? Like it, it was. If look, let's be honest. If we were UCF fans, or we yeah, were running right. a UCF podcast, we would not be thrilled with that. But technically, by the letter of the law, even though I don't love, uh, I mean, it was, he was lunged. That was a horrible closeout. I still don't know what a foul is. Well, that one they got right. That's by the rule. The guy initiated the contact, so it's not a defensive foul. I guess I'm going back to the C.J. Frederick. I, I still don't know what a foul is. Neither do the officials, Aaron. Neither do the officials. And then CMOS, uh, the winner, you know, the one that put him up. Um, Actually, no, incorrect. The play of the game was, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the play of the game was the dunk on Aziz. That was the play of the game. All right. That was He's lucky nasty. He's lucky he didn't get teed up for that. It was nasty. It was nasty. I, you got to give credit where credit's due. He should have been teed up for that. I'm in Vegas. What am I laying on the cats for Wednesday's game? Uh, do you live in Ohio? If so, why do you have to go to Vegas to bet on this one? Yeah, I come just, on, fake John Goble. Well, I, I just I just placed several bets on the Kansas State and the Iowa State games. So, so it's only so. a five point game at halftime. Iowa State had a little a little push at the end of the half, uh, as you would expect. Low scoring. Uh, I saw some people curious as to why they thought the under was too low at 127. Uh, have you not watched these two? It's more physical than a football game. They are beating the hell out of each other in this game. 28-23 at halftime. They got a long way to go to 127. I'll tell you that. Um, uh, the Bearcats game, I mean... I don't know. I we don't know the spread. The yet. money line. I think UC is going to win, so just give me UC in the money line, and I'll take Ooh. that. Oh, ESPN Analytics had them at ninety percent. Um, so we just don't. That'll know the be spread. that'll be a hefty wager there to add. <laughs> but uh, I mean, are you comfortable with putting? Uh, that's going to be a pretty big money line. Are going to be a pretty half. big spread? I think. Yeah, probably like a nine and a half point spread. Um, are you comfortable with UC winning by nine and a half? I. Yes, I would. I, I would bet Cincy at the nine and a half. You are something, man. What are you? Are you not? So, so you're openly saying you would bet Oklahoma State nine and a half? 
Um, I don't. I wait until it's live. Air live bets. Yeah, I'd live bet. I'm not taking nine and a half. No shot. What if it instantly jumps up? And you're stuck at nine and a half the whole game? Then you don't bet. I didn't bet on that game. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right. Um, Which remaining road games are you most optimistic about? And which remaining home games worries you? Which Oklahoma can't worry. I agree. I think Oklahoma's sliding. I think they can they they beat you here. I think you can get Oklahoma at their place. We uh, owe we owe Oklahoma one. Yeah. And Kansas State, yeah, they're they're they've got talent. They just haven't put it together consistently. They had those flashes. <laughs> yeah, well, that's this team is yeah, nowhere. They, their two best players are are not there, but still it's it's a it's a bit Jerome of a Tang's a good coach. They have talent. Kaluma's a good player. Like yeah. I like Kansas State's roster. They have not consistently been good, but they have inconsistently been good enough to where that game could be a, a pothole. Yeah, another yeah, team that beat Kansas. Uh, just just pile up the uh teams that beat Kansas. At home. Oh. They didn't they didn't go beat them at uh Allen Fieldhouse, I'll tell you that. No. We are all in agreement. Those are the answers. Uh, and will any Bearcats make Big 12 all-league teams at season end? Anyone on the all-defensive or all-freshman teams other than Newman and Jizzle? No. Maybe Aziz. What? Is there second a team all-defense? Second team all-defense. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there if there's an all defense team, maybe, but uh, there, in terms there's of first second team, isn't there? I have no idea. I've never, I've never seen the Big Twelve postseason yeah. awards, and I have not researched it <laughs> to see what they've done in the past. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think those are the answers. Newman, Newman, and Jizzle on those two teams, and that's yeah. Newman, if, if Newman's not first team all defense, then just don't give out an award. Right. Um, and Jizzle, I think, would probably be second team freshman. Yeah. There's still there's not a lot of them, but there's still some good freshmen in this league. Yeah. All right, and getting to the last part of the mailbag here, uh, who would be what in a commentary crew from the BCJ Network for a UC sporting event? Brett would be play-by-play, for sure. 100%. I've done it. I don't love it. Um, I thought I loved it when I was younger. Uh, And then I started doing more color. Like, I preferred color uh, over play-by-play. Brent loves play-by-play. Like, that is his lane. You love it. You love it. I got this one call that was just phenomenal. Played it for (laughs) Dan Hard. He said that was pretty doggone good. Was it when you called the one kid big guy? No, that was a different one. <laughs> this one, this one, this kid named Cavassier McCauley. His name was Cavassier. Hit a half court shot to uh, advance to the city championship game. Boy, oh boy, I went, I went crazy. Crazy. Pass me the Cavassier. He he hit it over Nike Sabandi. That's a that's a familiar name for anyone out there that knows a little bit yeah. about old Nike Sabandi. Yeah. 
yeah. all time names lists there. <laughs> uh, football Royer would be color, color, I think. Yeah. Basketball. Or, would be, yeah, I'd be, basketball. I'd be nervous. I'd be nervous about Royer dropping an F bomb involuntarily. So I think I'd be more okay with him on the sideline as a sideline. Yeah, reporter he probably would be better sideline reporter than talking through the entirety of a whole game and hoping that he's not dropping an f bomb. Just give me yeah. like a couple, a couple check ins, a half. Yeah. <laughs> Ryan, what's going on down on the field? I don't fucking know. We're losing. <laughs> Get coach up. He's running into the locker room. What the fuck was that, coach? <laughs> Aaron, I, I want to give you so uh, fucking undisciplined, undisciplined on defense. <laughs> I want to give I, give Aaron uh, the the rules analyst, but he still doesn't know what a foul is in the Big Twelve anymore. So that's true. <laughs> None of us. Do. <laughs> Aaron would be like the executive producer behind the scenes, you know, talking in our ears, uh, calling the shots. Like, all right, we got to. Ryan's got something down on the field. We're gonna need to go to him. Is he going to cuss? Uh, he probably is going to cuss. You <laughs> got the delay to work with. Be ready with the dump button. <laughs> Thrifty said, I've been saying for a while now that Ryan is the uh, Aaron Andrews of Bearcat Journal. What is that? What is that reference? She's a, She was a sideline reporter. That was like her big, her mm, big come yeah, up. Yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were going to say people were setting up cameras outside Ryan's hotel room trying to look through the people. Oh, whoa, whoa. You what do you think is happening in that vent right there? <laughs> you My weird-ass roommates. Moving on. Yeah. Moving on. Yeah. All right, and the last question here in the mailbag. Rapid Fire President's Day edition. If you could be any president, who would it be, and why would it be Kennedy? <laughs> I think Kennedy had it pretty good. Like, that's... Maybe you could, maybe you could say Clinton, but... Kennedy well, had a better. Uh, Kennedy had a better oh, selection wow. process. Just, well, would you rather a? Would you rather get half of your head blown off in a parade or get caught on getting, the getting some get some loveys down in the oval? You didn't feel it. Didn't feel a thing. Didn't feel. Yeah, a thing. I don't know if I'd want my wife scooping up my brains though. <laughs> Not your problem. You didn't know that. <laughs> Not your problem. She's scarred. Yeah, she is for sure. Um, I don't I know. Like he had a mind-blowingly good time. That's awful. Yes. <laughs> awful. Wow. I mean, I don't Who know much about president, but it would be pretty cool to be George Washington, the first. Yeah, because yeah. they thought they they treated you as the next king. Like right. you're our next king. Right. You're our you're our new ruler. You're God. Is what they're right. saying to him. You were you were the coolest guy uh, ever back then. Who wins a dance off, Jimmy Carter or Barack Obama? Willing to consider FDR? Definitely uh, Obama. Uh, Obama, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Obama, Let's Obama just be Obama. honest here. <laughs> Why would you? What? That's... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it it's Obama. We don't even have to elaborate. It's right. Obama. <laughs> I think Taft was known to bust a move every once in a while, right? In the bathtub? Yeah. <laughs> the guy died because he couldn't get out of the bathtub. Yeah, something like who, that. Who, who wins in a fight, Lincoln or Teddy Roosevelt? Teddy Roosevelt, easily. 
Lincoln was frail, like long and skinny. Although he, he might Teddy have, might be the big had the reach ass. on you. He might have had the reach, but I'll, I'll go with Roosevelt. Yeah. All right. I'll roll with um, it. Follow up question: Since my work has AMC on today, and it seems to be the best of Arnold Schwarzenegger, what is his best film? It's not Get a Tuma. Get down. It's not Get a Tuma. Terminator Two. Gotta be Kindergarten Cop. I I love Kindergarten Cop. It's great. It's so good. Uh, or Twins. Twins was phenomenal. Right. Predator. There you go, Thrifty Walrus. I just said, yeah, we're on the same page. You know what? Uh, he says he says Lincoln was a semi-professional wrestler, though. Okay. Hmm. You know, I would say uh, a very underrated one during the holidays, Jingle All the Way. Used to watch that on a repeat growing up. Still, yeah. still one of my favorite uh, quips when things go bad. Like one thing goes really bad in a sporting game. Other than that, how was the play, Miss Lincoln? <laughs> that's it was good. It was, here, it was good until my husband got killed. That's yeah. That's yeah. that's the joke. Other than that, how was the play, Miss Lincoln? <laughs> Get us out of here, Brent. Well, massive game. Coming up on Wednesday night. Second time, second time you've used that joke in a week. I know, I love it. It's one it of my worked. favorites. It, it, it still plays, that's for sure. It's the <laughs> season, but uh, <laughs> it's the sequel. There we go, Aaron. Hey, baby. Mind blowing. All right, so um, the, the whole I'm scenario out. of making it back to the big dance lies in the hands of what can happen. On Wednesday night, huge bang, huge, huge game. Oklahoma State coming to town. Big shout out, big thank you as always to everyone. It's uh, you know, our our friends at Quick Paper Supply, our friends at Danco Transmission and Auto Care, our friends at New Riff, because we love riffing with Royer, we love drinking whiskey. But big shout out to our guy, our pal, the man, Nico Palazzetti. Thanks for coming on. For my Nico. guys, my pals, the crew. Aaron Smith, Chad Brendel, Ryan Royer. I am Brent Young. Yet another fantastic BBP presented by BearcatJournal.com.